Mantis Tree Fight. You ready to relax tonight? You ready to have, enjoy yourself? Kick back a little bit. We're here in the studios, WCRS Studios. We were in uh, Asheville, North Carolina last Sunday, so we weren't taking your calls. We're back. It's 614-412-5252 if you want to talk to us about what's going on in your neck of the woods. We're here to listen, offer advice, and uh, laugh about it. Uh, my name is Brett Payne. My co-host is Brian Quinby. We are Street Fight Radio. We've been doing this now for seven years. We are coming to you out of the Free Press Studio in downtown Columbus, Ohio. WCRS FM 92.7 or 98.3. If you're inside 270, it's the best that you can get. It's WCRS. And uh, I'm excited to be back. I, I always like taking the calls. It's way easier. Well, too 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 lively. I think it's kill, it's killing me right now. Well, yeah. too lively. Yeah, this is Justin K. Comer. I was uh, looking for instrumentals to start the show. I love that one. I mean, I could see myself dancing in the house with that turned up super loud, but I can't compete with it right but, now. Uh, I'm too slow mo. Justin K. Comer, C O M E R dot Bandcamp dot com, a very good person who is in the Street Fighters group. And I wanted to get some of his music on. I promised it two weeks ago, and believe it or not, I remembered. Yeah, we have that going on. If you're interested, it is the best thing about Facebook. If you've given up on Facebook, the Facebook group is the place to be. Uh, message or email us on any of the channels and find it and hang with us. Right. Do that. So uh, usually we bullshit around here at the beginning of the show and we chat with each other about our weekend. We ain't got no time for that today. What the heck, Brett? We've been gone for two weeks. Yeah, there is a lot to catch up on. Uh, Asheville was amazing. We love cookout. We love cheer wine and Dr. Enough. And uh, we want to move down there. Nobody knows Dr. Enough. That is an odd one. Dr. Enough is packed full of vitamins. That's all you need to know. It's a, uh, it's like 7-Up, but it's got ginseng and vitamin B3 in it. Has it got any guarana in it? I don't know any. Maybe guarana. Maybe. I saw that stuff, in though. the cherry one. That's the good stuff, though. Yeah, that was great. Um, so I went online this week, and I said I need a teacher from West Virginia to call. And what do you know? We have a teacher from West Virginia to call. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, let's that's get into the world it. we live in. So let's get him on the phone right now. Yeah. How, how? Actually, let me ask you real quick. How is that going? Because I don't know what the the temperature is right now. Uh, is, the, is the mainstream media... Con- covering it now i've seen some like weird tweets but no they are not that is why we were so easy it was easy for us to get somebody because nobody else is covering it it's like somebody has to i think chapo did a show on it today okay their show that just released had uh well it had a solidarity message at the on the uh description i i was listening to shows that i hate instead of their show (laughs) today (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to go ahead and talk to we're going to go ahead and talk to a, a teacher, find out what's going on down there in West Virginia. Get a little educated like we do on this show, you know? Yeah, I got to get we know <laughs> I'd hate to be ignorant, you know? Well, that's that's all I want, job, though, is to be my ignorant, goal. You dingus. Yeah, I, I delete all the stuff out of my brain to stay more ignorant. It helps uh, with the bliss. Uh, let's see who's on the phone It helps with the bliss. Uh, oh, you're not turned up. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Uh, my name's Ian Duff, and uh, 
I'm one of the striking teachers down here in West Virginia. Ian Duff, what is? Thank you for calling. First of all, we needed you. Uh, we want. I see. Here's the thing. We were gone last week, and we're both talking just before we came back in this room while we're outside having a conversation. And I was like, I'm kind of embarrassed that we did a show last week and didn't talk about the the West Virginia teacher strike because it was a travel week and we are pathetic at traveling. So it takes up every single bit of our mind space for the five days before we leave. And uh, I got back and it just like, I was like, this thing is going to be over when I was a kid. There was a teacher strike and uh, it was not like yours. It was more of a, like they hired scabs. They were able to get scabs to come in and we were kind of just all bad, you know, and it lasted about two weeks and it was over. It was, but you, y'all have got it. So, I mean, school's out, they're canceling school. And uh, I thought for sure that that would end like now <laughs> like that would have ended last week and then right before we were about to leave town we heard that an agreement was reached and within 15 yep. minutes the teachers were like no there was no agreement reached we're, we're still striking so can you catch everybody up on on how this started and and, and what what you're fighting for okay what what happened is at the beginning all public employees in the state of west virginia are par- part of an insurance plan called the Public Employees Insurance Agency, PEIA. And what the legislature has been failing to do is to adequately fund PEIA. For example, at the beginning of this year, PEIA had made a profit of $45 million, but yet that profit was stripped and put into the general fund, and they turn around and tell us, there's no money for PEIA, your premiums are going to go up. For example, for my, my family, me and, and my wife as well, we're both teachers. So, you know, we, we don't make, you know, the most money in the world, but on the month, our insurance was going to go up over $200 each month just for insurance. That's like a car. You could get a, that's like, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah, especially for, you know, a teacher. So th- that's what started all this. This did not come from the unions. This started from the very, very bottom, from teachers in their buildings being dissatisfied and ready to stand up for themselves. And then on last Wednesday, uh, our union leaders had reached an agreement with the governor saying that PEIA would be fixed through a task force because it would take a little while, but that we would also, everybody would be getting a 5% raise. That was good. However... We don't really trust the government for obvious reasons. <laughs> Especially, and, uh, can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. this might be just some ignorant thing that I read on the internet, but didn't you didn't y'all have like a uh, a a democrat? Didn't you guys elect a democrat, and then they turned yes, Republican uh, on you? <laughs> Jim Justice was elected uh, on the Democratic ticket, and then almost one year to the day, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, decided he was going to visit West Virginia. And during his rally in West Virginia, 
Governor Justice switched parties then and there from Democrat to Republican. So wow. we don't really trust the man for reasons, you he know? Did. He walked out and hit all of you guys with a steel chair, that one. Like that, because yes. I'm seeing a lot of these Democratic operatives that, you know, aren't really doing much to help you guys anyway. Uh, but I'm seeing no. a lot of them saying if, if these teachers. You know, hopefully these teachers decide they're going to vote. And I'm like, they did. They voted and it didn't work. (laughs) Well, miracle of miracles, voting didn't work again. What the heck? Yeah. And there was a lot of Bernie support there, too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in West Virginia, in my opinion, it wasn't a rejection of the Democratic Party. It was a rejection of the Democratic Party's nominee in Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders had huge support in our state that happened here too i believe i i really feel yeah. like like uh in ohio it was kind of the same thing it was like because i talked to a lot of people who were vibing with 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 populism period and yeah. bernie sanders yeah. was the kind of populism they wanted and then when they they didn't get it they decided i mean they're ignorant it's an ignorant yeah. thing to do but they decided they were going to just blow it up then oh fine then i'll just uh, blow yeah. it up well, or, I mean, yeah, they, they wanted somebody in there that would make the rest of the government groan, and that would be like a wrench in the gears and something to gum up the works. And, you know, they had an option for a, a more humane version, but once you took that off the table, I mean, it didn't take away their their want for for a change, you know? And that's what, that's what happened yeah. with a lot of folks that we know, you know, up here in Ohio. So, basically, they told you guys, you're, you're going, you're going to get a 5% raise, which... Yes. I'm guessing wouldn't cover I, I mean I, I I'm guessing it wouldn't necessarily cover the money that they were gonna get out of you from your premiums. And even if it was, well, it was a long overdue. I had done raise. the math. I had done the math and it would have equated to over the year a three hundred dollar raise. Okay, so they were like, we'll give you... But uh, have you been fighting for raises for a while? Because I feel like part of this strike I had heard from the beginning was that, you know, there was also some... Were were you striking for higher wages? Well, in West Virginia, across the nation, we are currently 48th in the nation for pay. However, here's the thing. It was always kind of an, an unspoken arrangement between the teachers in the state that our pay not may not be the best, but the cost of living in West Virginia is low, and we have good insurance, and we have a good retirement. Well, when you start axing those two things, uh, people get a little riled up. Yeah, I don't matter. It is it is a lower cost of living there. I love, you know, West Virginia is so beautiful. <laughs> we just drove yeah, through it, it, and every time I drive through it, I'm like, I don't know why people aren't like flocking here <laughs> it's so beautiful but i guess you know there's there's not that's a what the teachers that that's one of the things we're trying to fix if we're going to improve our state the first thing we have to do is improve our education this yeah. year in west virginia we had 700 unfilled teaching vacancies in our state Ooh. yeah so, uh, the position i'm in i'm a chemistry teacher it had been unfilled by a qualified applicant for four years. Wow. That, uh, yeah. So, like, basically they have to just put people in to cover the spots? Is that it? Or is yeah. it just that? Well, if you look around West Virginia, we're, you know, we're, we're surrounded by several states. I could count them out. But each one of those states has a much higher starting salary than West Virginia. If, we, if um, the counties that border Maryland... They can cross county lines, 
go to Maryland and make $15,000 more starting out. So where do you think the most qualified teachers are that can get out of state or what are they doing? They're going out of state. Yeah, that's hard so, to, I mean, that's hard to be, that's hard, yeah, that's hard to draw people in or to, you know, to get yeah. people to invest their time in something like that, you know, um, and it shows a lot of the dedication for the people that are there doing it. But at the same time, it's, uh, it, it's one of those, it's one of these moments where you can't really plan for this and come up with some sort of grand scheme or wait for some leader to show up and guide everybody to salvation. It's literally the frustrations of the people going through this stuff and and saying enough is what was the tipping point for all of this how did this get i i want to start from the beginning how long Uh did this take to get to the first part of the strike like what was the what was the process to get to the strike with the official union uh it took us about probably about a month or so, when the legislative session started, they had already had bills out for uh, charter schools, for school vouchers, for killing seniority, and then there was the PEIA thing that they, they weren't going to fix. And then the kind of one of the big tipping points were is they were telling us they didn't have money to fund PEIA, but then they, cut, they um, passed a big tax cut for businesses, which equated to about $150 million dollars. That could have fully funded PEIA and gave everybody a, a pretty good raise. So the state legislature basically showed us we have the money to give businesses cuts, but we don't have the money to fund your insurance to take care of your family. That- and then from, from, from there, it was grassroots, and we started having walk-ins, and certain counties started uh, walking out on certain days, and then... We uh, had a vote, and a full-on strike was in effect. Wow, how scary! But but we we tend to like to hit like personal stuff too. How how scary was that for you as a person? Like, what what was the process well, for you personally on the way up here? Well, personally, um, this is my seventh year teaching. I transferred uh, from uh, one school to another, and it was across counties. So when I transferred this year, I lost my tenure. And I don't, and I would not get my tenure again until August. Now, if you don't know what tenure is, it basically is job protection. I could be fired for you know anything really. So it's scary. You know, I have a, I have a master's degree to be a teacher, and to make this decision, it was it was kind of the, the, what went through my mind is I, I can't afford not to strike. That that's where I was. I could not afford not to strike because it would be such a financial burden on my family if we were to lose our insurance, if our insurance was to get hiked like that. Right. And and so I, I maybe you had said this already, but was there a number that they were looking for to fund it? I mean, was the $45 million enough to cover the 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 disparity, whatever that word is? Uh, the, the, they're saying the current estimates are from 50 to $60 million dollars is what PEI needs funded from the state in order to be fully operational. Right. So, yeah, that money should have Um, never have left the PEIA. That wasn't profit or nothing. I mean, that's just operating costs. Yeah, they took it from us. So, yeah. I mean, that's – so 
I mean, the, those things have happened. These things happen all the time, and it's really mm-hmm. easy to have people just tell you to brush it off and you know figure something out or make it work. Um, but I mean, when you're looking when you're looking at that, I mean, it just has to drive you nuts. Have you had much pushback? Is there anybody in the in the school that is like thinks you all are crazy or should just accept what you get? Well, when we when we had the strike vote. Uh, my school, I don't know what other schools are because it's a, you know, it's a blind ballot. But our school, uh, 97% of everybody that worked in the school voted for the strike. Wow. 90, yeah, 97%. That's and, beautiful, though. Yeah, it is. And I don't know, you know, what history of West Virginia you know, but union sentiment runs very strong in this state. You know, standing up to the company, standing up to the mine bosses, those types of things. So we've had a lot of support from the uh, community. Also, the teachers, we went out of our ways before this happened to do food collections to get out into the community. Heck, um, to, coming Tuesday, tomorrow I'm going to be at the Capitol rally and all day, but on Tuesday I'm going to be at the volunteer fire department helping run a spaghetti dinner to try and feed some of our less fortunate people that live in our communities. That, that's incredible. I, I just, everything about this is like, I, I just, if <laughs> you get a lot of crap and I've even seen the snide, like West Virginia jokes or whatever from some yeah. people. And, and, and we just found out today that Oklahoma teachers are going on strike. Yeah. I think all 77 counties. And I think that, uh, what's really encouraging about this is that, you're in a place where I think they, the Democrats at least, and, and some of the more liberal lefties say we just, those people are a loss. They're not ever going to be on our side. And it's like, this is proof that people will be on your side. If you take a, you have to take the strongest possible stand because people don't like that mealy mouth shit that they tell you, that like the way that they talk to you. So they settled the strike, right? Last Thursday. Am I right about that? Yep. Okay. So last Thursday they settled the strike and they say, well, we got you a 5% raise everybody. It's time to go back to work. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, actually it was, it was last Wednesday. Governor had a, uh, a big news conference. NBC news was there. It's about seven o'clock. Said we made this deal. We've agreed with the union leaders. Our union le- leaders came out to us saying, strikes over we've got this we've got this we've got this and uh i mean people in the crowd reel and no deal no deal no deal we started organizing on facebook all 55 counties came back together and we're saying nope we don't care what the union leaders say this is a wildcat strike now That's we're amazing. not out till we get what we want <laughs> people power it is and and you yeah. know what uh, um just as a little, just as a thing, like the one of the first things Brett and I learned about when I guess we started this show, it was during Occupy, and there was a lot of talk about wildcat strikes, and uh, that seemed like a, a pipe dream to me. That seemed that to me looked like an impossible task, and in in West Virginia at least, it looks like it came together pretty quick because it was really fast. There was not a lot of time between we've made a deal and no, we haven't. This is a wildcat strike now. Who About is... an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it 
About an hour and a half, all 55 counties said no deal, and we're out. We shut the whole state down again. How how did how did the vote? So did the vote happen like on Facebook, or 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 how did the vote happen? More or less, it was Facebook organizing. There was nobody that they could visibly see that were saying, you know what, this is a good deal. Let's go out. Everybody was like, nope, I don't trust them. I don't trust them until until it's in writing. We are not done with this. Oh yeah, and especially if they're going to make a big deal. If they're making a, if they're putting in the news and everything, that's all they want to, for people to stick in their mind is that oh, they did come to a deal and they ended up working that out. And because then six well, months down the line, no one's going to check in when they haven't given you, you know, your health care. Exactly. They, they 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 violated their deal last night. The House passed uh, with, with the exception of one vote. Uh, the deal for the 5% raise, the governor's vowing for the 5% raise, but the West Virginia Senate, led by Mitch Carmichael, who has some very good chance uh, uh, going on in, you know, the hallways and chambers by us, you know, namely, move Mitch, get out the way. But uh, that's my favorite one. But they, they, they went back on that deal, and they amended the bill to say 4%. And we said, nope, not enough. We said 5%. That was our deal. That was what we shook on. That is what we'll go out for. We will not We will not go back into the school for 4.99%. We agreed to 5 and that's what we want. So now, it, so uh, I guess, like, what? what is the, I, I, I think I was added to one of the groups by a teacher. I did not sneak in or hack the group. Somebody said, if you want to know what's going on, come in this yeah. group but you can't this has to be really confusing for 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 you guys because he the, when the person brought me into the group he kind of told me like well you know a lot of this stuff is rumors so it's really hard to know what's actually happening until it happens has that been your experience has it has it been hard to figure everything out now that it's sort of decentralized from the union or is the union still no, involved? The, the union came back into it after the two days we went wildcat. Of course they did. They, <laughs> uh, they're back in it, and they're backing our strike continuing into uh, tomorrow. But two weeks before the actual strike kicked off, uh, we had about five counties in the southern coal fields. They did uh, a one-day walkout on a Friday. They did a one-day walkout going out. Uh, you know, just basically a shot across the bow of the legislature saying, you know, get it together. The next week, five more counties went out, my county included. And we all descended on the Capitol, and it was another shot across the bow saying, if you don't get this together by next week, we're gone. And we held to our word. And we've not been back since. Yeah. I, I, so what... Uh... What have you heard about, like, child care? I'm interested. I know, like, this isn't kind of your problem, but I am interested in, because in, I worry, just as a parent, I know that, yeah. like, when you have kids basically up until sixth or seventh grade, you have to yeah. figure out what you're going to do with them during the day. Uh, what Un Have you heard anything about how that's being handled? Unfortunately, it has been a burden on some families. But like I said, for the most part, we have support. So what's been happening is in uh, neighbors, like say, you know, both parents work in one house, 
but you know the the neighbor next door she you know her husband works but she doesn't they've been watching two or three kids during the day yeah i can you know, do that people yeah people are coming together and like i said for the most part uh i would say probably 70 70 75 percent that i've seen have been supporting us west virginia metro news did a poll uh a day or two ago uh on, it was on twitter and I think it was 65% people, you know, still supported our strike. Yeah, that's great. And and I'll say this. Uh, about five years ago here, uh, John Kasich tried to take away the collective bargaining rights of the teachers. And that was a moment where the teachers decided, hey, we're going to show you that we have power. And they got that thing overturned. And hey, when, You want to know it's funny? In West Virginia, we don't have collective bargaining, and our strike is illegal. Yeah, your strike is is doing a lot better than than the accomplish a lot more than what we saw during the SB five strikes. When we got here, yeah. they let us inside, and as soon as we get there, they fed us right into the to the jaws of some Democratic leaders that were out there shaking people's hands and all kinds of garbage yeah. like that. It was like just embarrassing. Afterwards, we didn't get nothing accomplished. Well, I, yeah, our, we actually our strike is illegal, and one of the one of the theme songs for this year's strike has been uh, Judas Priest breaking the law. <laughs> it, it, it's getting played at a lot of the rallies just to just to throw it in their faces. We know we're breaking the law, but come arrest thirty thousand of us. Yeah. Right, come get everybody. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's like, I mean, a lot of effective political activity is against the law. I think because that's what they do to kind of keep us. Right. In line a lot of times. Nobody hears about legal no, like I don't know that this story gets as much the gets only, to gets to as many people. I like I don't know if this story gets to Brett and I without the yeah. wildcat part. Like we heard of the strike, but in my mind I was like, they're gonna settle this in like no time. Well yeah, I mean we didn't have enough time to look it up. We just recorded the show. Right, I'm saying, I'm saying, but in my mind, I felt like they're going to settle this in no time. Like this is going to be such a quick thing, and and we all know, like we've been critical of the big unions in the past on here. Like I, I don't love, like I don't love them, you know, and I don't love yelling about them because I think they're what we have. But I think you, the te- you teachers just put all of the unions on notice and said, if you want to be relevant, you're going to have to start doing things. Work stoppage gets it done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The only thing that is legal is uh, accepting what they give you and not causing a fuss. That's the only thing that's legal. So is there anything, can we, uh, can we get the work tomorrow? You said there's a rally at the state house. Is that in Charleston? Yes. Yes, I got it right. I love the state house there. We drive by it all the time. It's beautiful. I, it's I got a big gold dome on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yes, it does. I love, I love West Virginia. I really do. I, we want to do a show down there, but we're afraid like four people would show up. So we're holding off. We actually haven't found any place to go there yet, to be honest. Otherwise, I would have. Um, but what's the uh, what's a good way for people to help? Is there anything that that needs to be done? Is there retweets or shares or money or any of that that you need all right well um there is actually a strike fund uh it's going around on twitter right now i think their goal was fifty thousand dollars but as of this morning when i looked it was about 
at one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand dollars. That's the and what's left. Happening is in the, Can I just say? In the, in the, that's what? the left. Huh? That's the that's the fucking left. A hundred and sixty thousand dollars for an illegal yep. strike. Like, if yes. you say that there's no energy out there and there's no will to no. get things done, you're fucking lying. You're just lying. There, the, there's an the, the activist organization, the Democratic Socialists of America, DSA, of which I am a member. We love them. Uh, they've, been, they've been doing a lot to uh, get the word out about this. Okay. That's if good. you want to keep up with it on uh, Twitter... You can uh, use the hashtag uh, 55 strong or 55 united. And also, uh, you can use uh, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Comrade Duff. And I'll actually be at the State House tomorrow and I'll be live tweeting the events as much as I can. Awesome. Hey, uh, thank you so much for calling. We really needed somebody to explain this and to let us uh-huh. know what the, what the toll was and and uh what was going on and we're i mean if this thing drags we work real late tonight but if this thing drags on we're getting down there and uh i'd love to meet up with you and shake your hand i'm really impressed with what y'all are doing uh thank thank you very much we appreciate you getting the word out and like i said care on uh social media uh just put out there to for people to follow those hashtags or to follow me and uh I'll, we'll be getting the word out tomorrow. It's been a big focus of my time lately. If I've not been at the, the Capitol, I've been trying to blow up Twitter as much as I can to to get that out from you know a grassroots level. Well, I'm getting there right now. I'm going to post to follow you and on uh-huh. Twitter to to my followers, and hopefully it works right, out. You, you never know with these people. They're all well. I appreciate crazy. you. If you make your way to Charleston, uh, get up with me. And uh, I'll get you in the action. Thank you. We will. We cert- we're 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 only three hours away, so yeah. <laughs> we can get there. It's just uh, it's it's he's got a four year old, and I am lazy, but I'm gonna try to get down there. I promise. <laughs> Have a good uh, night. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah thanks for calling. Bye. Oh, right, that was beautiful, Brett. I know. That's can awesome. I just tell you that like. Nothing light lit me up like when that strike went wildcat, you know, like nothing. I saw it happen when we were in Asheville and I didn't like jump up and down in the street. But as soon as I saw it went wildcat, I was like, that's teachers. That's like the last wildcat strike I can remember, I think, was like uh, shipping workers in Oakland. And it lasted like a day or so. And it, it did its job, you know, but teachers is. I mean, that affects everybody in the community, every single person. Yeah, you're right. Like you said, that stops most of daily life, especially for people with kids, because that's what they do. That's the only reason you you can make money is because there's, you know, your kids are at school for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, so uh, I also was excited when I saw that it went there because I do not have I mean, we, you know, people are fighting back. People are doing protests and things like that. But this kind of stuff is really challenging the way that the world works. You know, uh, like he mentioned, they were siphoning $45 million off of their account and calling it profit. And uh, then at the same time saying you have to pay more. So this is, this is saying, no, this is literally slapping the hand of the people that were making $45 million off of stealing from teachers' health care. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, 
they told them, and and this was the thing that he said that that really jumped out at me, and that is like stuck in my head is that they told them we got it, we got a five percent raise. They're gonna do the PEIA. They're gonna start a committee to figure out this PEIA, and y'all are just gonna go back to work. And it's like, no, this committee stuff never works. <laughs> I don't need this committee junk. Right. I mean, they're gonna two hundred dollars out of my paycheck, man. Right. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Like I said, that's a car payment. I mean, that's the lights and the electric for me. Well, let me just say that, like... I mean, sorry, the lights and the gas. Let me just say that, like, about every couple months, our our money goes up about $200 on our check, basically. You know, like this oh, month, it went up another $200 right. for what we get paid to do this show. And it, every time, it makes an enormous difference in my life. It's not like we started at the beginning of last year making, like, $800 a month. And then every few months it goes up 200 bucks and you're like, okay, okay, I can live off this. And every little bit more counts. And if you took $200 more away from me, I, I mean, you feel that. Yeah. It puts you down another rung on the ladder. And it, it, it's like, I, I think like it's a, it's a crime that it's not being covered the way that, that like on MSNBC, especially MSNBC is kind of the place that I think about that this should be being covered because of the way that they talk and and the, and the signifiers that they use. And a oh, lot of times they'll use activist language. Yeah, there are people all over Twitter. You know, Chris Hayes is all over Twitter being buddy-buddy and, and saying ironic jokes. Right, and, and, and they're not covering it. And it's not showing up on Chris Hayes' show. It's like, it's you not know you see up. it, dude. You spent you obviously spend a lot of time on the TL here. So what's going on? He, well, that's the thing. It's like, is Rachel Maddow not seeing this? Or does she think it's a Russian plot? What What's going on here? What's Why aren't these people covering this? This is like, if, if, if you are a... I'm going to not use the word leftist because I don't think... MSNBC would ever be considered leftist in any sense of the word. But if you're a liberal news outlet, you would think you would cover a labor issue like a strike. But no, I, but that's not what that's we haven't been that way forever. I mean, I think that that was that's go that was a ghost from the past, even from when I was a kid. Really, you think? I do. I think that they did. Ha you're you're right. I think they do have that kind of um, reputation, but that's it's 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 being just passed down from like decades ago not uh -huh. from actually doing anything uh -huh, you know yeah. yeah i agree i i would say like i just remember how they covered occupy True. a lot of times and i remember that makes sense that they covered it a lot but then they would say things like are they actually making things worse and it would always drive me crazy and now you know that's what i worry about if they do cover it you know, are they making things worse? And have you, so what's, let me get, let me uh, ask you, since you are our uh, conservative correspondent on Facebook, has anybody on those sites been calling it like a secret plot by Obama or something? Well, it's not being covered. And I really don't think that they, they know it's get, happening. They have no idea because it's not getting funneled through their email chain. Yeah. It's not on Breitbart. It's, it's not like getting covered. And if it does get covered, I mean... I don't know, man. There's a, the I thing mean, is they hate education. That's where the issue comes. That's in. true. They would like <laughs> to They think teachers are bums that sell like socialist principles or something. Yeah. They teach their kids to share. Yeah. So like, I don't really know how they would respond. 
and they hated is, him when they wanted more money. They thought they were the worst people in the world. They get summers off. Grr. It's like you don't want you, man. You don't even want to be around your stupid kid. I know. You know what I mean. I know. Imagine being in charge of like 30 of them for an extended period of time. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be around her that long. I don't want to be around 90 percent of people's stupid kids. I love I school. Those people are heroes. Like, I love your kid, Brad. She's a handful. She's a lot. Know? And she doesn't. She's not the only person in that classroom. Like, you think that Charlotte is a handful, right? I think my daughter is the meanest human being on the planet. Well, her teacher is dealing with like 20 people who are probably the meanest human beings on the planet. Or your your daughter's teacher is teaching like however many of her. <laughs> no, they have I mean they have teachers, helpers and everything too. There's like 3 of them in there now. Because you can't have, you got to have like you, you can't do that. You, I love the way you look like because you, I, you no human can do that. You cannot that. unleash 18 five-year-olds on one person. Right. That would be insane. Unless they were like a juggler or something. You'd have to be like a magician. There's no way that you can just do it with like mathematics and, and letters and alphabet shit. Well, I guess in something I'm thinking about now that you bring that up is like we're talking about how teachers should make more, right? Like they should make a huge amount I mean, I of money. I think they make enough. I'll get the fuck <laughs> off the air. They're doing fine, man. We got some people that could use some more money. Right. They are probably not making as much as they should. I would. I don't think they're making $100,000 a year. No, I agree. I agree. I think they probably deserve about that much. Their job is fucking hard. Sure. It's not an easy job. And what I'm trying to get at is that, like, there's people on Facebook who these conservative people, right? Who would say these people that work at McDonald's don't deserve $15 an hour. These people that are teachers don't deserve to make as much as they make these people that, are, and it's like, who fucking deserves money in your estimation? <laughs> you know, like, Why is it only who are the, why, why does the only least, the boss, dude, why, it's the boss. The That's least, what they're saying. The boss gets it all. The boss to the winner goes all the spoils. Be a winner. So the least deserving person, if you're accepting a paid paycheck, you're going to get treated like garbage and you deserve nothing. Right. If you're willing to accept a paycheck, right. which means you're, you know, almost everybody. But I mean, they don't. Do you, um, before we get to take other calls, I I, I want to talk about. I didn't realize we were. Sta- I forgot we were stammering. Sorry, I forgot we were still taking calls. <laughs> no, we're just having a conversation. We're we have to do this at the beginning of every show, right? We right. usually do it, but we wanted to get to the breaking news. Didn't want to make them wait forever. Uh, but uh, what do you think they think about themselves, though, and their money? Well, like what what I what think does a conservative self hatred, man? You think that they do have that? Do you think that like a person who's making eleven dollars an hour to load trucks doesn't think that they deserve fifteen? Um, I think that they think that they don't. That that they they should come up with something better or create a better life for themselves and make the money that for themselves and that like they deserve to be spat on. I really do think they buy into it, you know? Or that there's a position that they're working, that they work so hard that there's a position for them where eventually they're going to make the amount of money that they feel 
that a person in that position deserves. Exactly. You got to eat, you know, eat shit for 10, 15 years, you know, dude, you know, just live on nothing. And if you make it through all of that, you can get like a, a weird desk job where now all of a sudden, you you know, you can lease a new car. The other wild thing about that strike, though, was that they did really pull. They tried to buy them off is basically what they did is they were like, we'll give you a 5% raise. And they're like, we weren't even asking for a raise. We was asking for you to fix our insurance. And they were like, yeah, did you hear about that raise? We was going to give you, though. And it's just, it's very, like... Well, I hate those numbers tricks, too. Yeah. Because it's like, you get 5%, but then you... How much is that going to be eaten up by the healthcare costs increase? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like an even exchange. And at the same time, uh, the price of peanut butter is going to go up. The price of gasoline is going to go up. The price of... It, rent is going to increase and they keep giving you these deals where you never make enough. I, I mean, I've seen people now with these bonuses where it's like, well, you don't get a bonus this year, but you get a raise. And it's like, but I had a bonus before and now I don't. And uh, you told me I could rely on that. And it's like, well, things are different now, you know, different deal. <laughs> the cereal boxes, man, the that, cereal the boxes I, are smaller. I've been paying attention to so much lately as those damn cereal boxes. Cause they're the, they're the indicator right there. And then, yeah, oh, yeah, tough, tough times. Prices are going there. up. And so, it, I mean, I, yeah, I'm still astonished that, you know, that, that we continue with the wages that we do because there's, there's just, it hasn't changed in so long. I'm not, I'm not that old, but like I still remember a decade ago when things were a lot less, you know, when I mean, you I, could rent a place for less than $1,000 a month. I, and I do guess that like when I first started working, the wage was roughly, I think, like around seven to nine dollars an hour, and I think we've moved to nine to eleven dollars an hour. But everything is like fifteen to seventeen dollars an hour. Everything costs fifteen to right. Everything's an hour. everything's at like a seventeen to twenty dollar an hour <laughs> style of living. Well, did you see that? And we'll talk about this probably more at the basement show. But did you see that the lift people are making like three dollars and twenty five cents an hour? I knew that was going on. And I mean, I, I did the math in my head when you were doing it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be like a jerk, and I knew that you needed that money. Is I mean, that's the thing. You and I even mentioned to you a couple of times and you said to me, like, I know I'm getting fucked on this. I mean, I can get seventy dollars today, but I'm going to pay 40, 35 percent self-employment tax on it next year. I'm just not going to get a tax return. You right. know, it's just and, like just borrowing money from the future. Right. And the three twenty five an hour feels like because it's like, oh, I made enough money to live today. Sure. Like I can go out and make enough money to live today tomorrow. So I'm doing okay, Groceries. and that's all I need. And you're not thinking in terms of the amount of hours that you're... Do, do you see what I'm yes. saying? Like, you're not even thinking about that stuff. You're just thinking, well, like, I need $100. Right. And if I have to work 13 hours today to get $100, at least I'll get $100. You know? My sleep schedule got the way it is from Lyft. You know? Because it was like, I have to work until, like, 2 or 3 and so then I sleep until because there's nothing really at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. So you start you sleep until two, you start at two and you work until like three o'clock in the morning when people are getting out of bars. And you probably I mean, a hundred dollars. Like, I, I remember when I worked the one of the busiest days of the year and I made I think I think I was excited that I made two hundred dollars. And it was like, yeah, but I it was Ohio State Michigan Day. I woke up at nine 
and turned the thing on and I went home at three in the morning. And it's like, I mean, yeah, that money was great, but I was spending money on gas. Uh, I was supposed to carry a certain kind of insurance that I didn't carry. Sure. You're putting yourself at risk. <laughs> a lot of risk. And that's the thing, too. I mean, you're putting, you're out on the road, and if you get in an accident, maybe insurance will cover it. But at the same time, you've now your car is, like, depreciated in value. You oh know, it's like you took the hit for that in a huge way. Yeah. I mean, in my case, I, I think here's what I'm going to say before we start taking calls. In my case... It was a decent thing because it was a stopgap. I knew that this, I had, I believed that this was going to pay off. Like I believed in myself and I believed in Brett and I was just like, I think we can do this. I will, I will do this until it pays off. And it ended up paying off and I ended up getting out of it. I'm like, probably rare in that case for people who do it full time because i know a lot of people quit their jobs and just do it full time and they're probably working 60 hours a week for the foreseeable future there's not like a thing at the end you know and that's right. what's sad to me is that that i took shit pay and shit benefits and i got taken advantage of by lyft for about a year and it ended up paying off but for a lot of people it's not ever going to pay off and that's that's the problem with that. yeah and as much as i think taxis are awful um they did at least guarantee some sort of like level of living that if you're a professional driver in the city that drives people around you also uh don't have to eat popcorn for dinner yeah yeah exactly yeah i agree i mean that's the other thing too you can't even go home for dinner like i ended up having to eat like that's out true. a lot because yeah. you go home and it's like bloop and you got to go right back out yeah yeah you're especially right. dinner time is when you get a bunch of rides because you drive fucking people to dinner <laughs> or you're driving people home from work you know yeah and you just grab food on the way or something and that just eats up some of your profits yeah yeah, and you can't eat it in a damn car because everybody will complain because your car smells like food because you're a human being that is a person, you know? You get these calls. No, this is just like this is just like getting picked up by your friend whose car stinks like french fries. Yeah, they hate it. Dude, I got reviews that were like, his car smelled like food. And it's like, I'm sorry, I ate food. <laughs> My apologies. All right, let's see who's on the line. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hi, my name's Adam. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Good, good. Um, I was just calling you guys to, to talk to you about union issues because I'm a union member and I work for the unions, actually. Really? Which one? Well, for a couple, a, a couple different unions. I'm, um, I'm a compliance guy, so I check payroll um, to see if workers are being cheated out of their money on prevailing wage projects which is like, you know, any project that's a construction project, that's a government-funded project, a state project, oh. a certain amount of, you know, of wages are required, at least in California, so where I live. Interesting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, apparently people just really aren't looking. There's a lot of wage theft that goes on out there. Yeah, that's what they say. I prevailing mean, wage projects. Yeah, I mean, so what kind, oh, of, shit. What, what kind of numbers... Are people losing? Um, oh, geez. You know, the problem is it's hard to gauge because workers don't want to talk. They don't want to come out about it because if they do, they'll likely get fired. You know what I mean? And they have to find another job. And 
You know, like uh, even if there is an award, they, they, they end up not getting the amount that they're really owed in their wages a lot of the time. Can I can I ask? Uh, so you're talking about prevailing wages. Uh, can I? I guess I'll ask you about this because I've I've been thinking about this for over ten years. <laughs> I uh, used to work for a roofing company, and when, yeah. when you worked for the city of Columbus, you got prevailing wages. And that means you yeah. get a certain amount. You get like I think it was sixteen dollars an hour. Sixteen dollars an hour here. It's like more, right? Is that like commence? Uh, like, is it basically as prevailing wages so that they can match the uh, state union workers? Is that what it is? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. So this company I worked for was paying me nine dollars and fifty cents an hour, and when I got prevailing wages, they took the money from the prevailing wages and said they put it in some kind of account that I couldn't get the money out of and i still haven't yeah. got that money to this day and i always think about like where the fuck is that six dollars an hour he probably turned he into 96 bought beers somebody's jet ski yeah yeah you know bought bought the boss a jet ski or something you know it's crazy so yeah. is that the, is that sort of thing happening do you is that sort of oh, thing happening everywhere in California? and nobody's looking at it there's there's no one looking you know what i mean like people will report stuff to the department of labor and they don't follow up on it oftentimes especially with this current administration you know what i'm saying well i think there's just so it's uh, people give up there's a lot of people that just say like this is the world it's cruel and then there's a lot of folks that do take advantage of it uh and and know they can get away with it is there a lot of serial abusers in the system yeah well the thing about prevailing wage too is that it's so much more than a lot of other wages out there that like when you work on the project, yeah, you'll still get more than you normally get paid, so they'll be happy about it. That's you know how I, I mean? was. They'll be like, yeah, I'm getting more. That's yeah, how but I it's was. Not the actual full amount. It's like way less than the full amount they're supposed to be getting. Right. You know? I think they were paying me twelve dollars an hour, but the company was getting eighteen dollars. I think it was eighteen yeah, and twelve. Outrageous amount. Sometimes forty dollars an hour or more. You know <laughs> what I mean? And pay these folks less than twenty dollars an hour sometimes. On That's the wage. fucking the job I was doing was literally oh my god i was putting poison on the floor of a parking garage (laughs) basically i was rolling this latex poison on the floor of a parking garage when it was like nine degrees outside so what they would do is they would start the truck and they would turn the heat on and i would have to sit in the truck with the chemicals while they stayed warm so nobody's so apparently none of the other construction workers stole the truck and just sat in there while the heat ran next to a bunch of fucking chemicals. But I was like, I'm making $12 an hour. Holy shit. <laughs> like it was like 2001. Let's not get started on the OSHA issues, huh? I guess. <laughs> but I guess, I, uh, screw OSHA. I get paid an extra four bucks. Where does yeah, this money yeah. go? In Because uh, they told me it was going in some kind of a 401k that I will never find. I looked for it. Exactly. I, that's I, a bunch of BS. They're saying that they're going to give it to you in some sort of a fund, right? But Oh, but then they'll end up firing you or laying you off. Or, you know, when you end up not working there, you don't get the money, right? That's you what happened. on your check. Oh, exactly. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, you know what? That You calling in right now just solved one of the great mysteries of my adult life. <laughs> Because I always wondered where that money went. It, yeah, it, someone's pocket, I, man. I look at unclaimed funds all the time. I'm like, maybe that money will be in there. Maybe they couldn't get that money to me, so they report it. 
that damn small business tyrant just took it. These contractors exactly. are just taking exactly. it. Do the employees know? I'm happy that I'm doing this job for the unions. You know what I mean? I work specifically for the electrical contractors, for IBEW. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to know that I'm doing something to try to, to help workers get what they're paid out there. But it's really frustrating because, like I said, even if we get an award, they don't get what they were really owed. And a lot of times the, the employer can take action against them, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know what I mean? And, I mean, the, the electricians are doing it to get electrical work for the electrical unions. And I'd lo- love to see electrical union workers get work. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, that doesn't really do a lot for a lot of the other workers out there that are getting just screwed big time. You no, know? And, and electricians, so. uh, 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 the electrician field, I guess, is one of those ones that's, like, ripe for all kinds of it's labor very high abuses. skill labor see that's the thing it's, yeah. it's up there in the skill level of labor amongst uh, the building trades so and you know this is a big issue in unionism because the skilled labor issue right like it's like all right if you're in a trade you're skilled labor and all these other workers they're unskilled labor so we need to you know not let them in to our club you know what i mean that's kind of the mentality of unionism over the last like 40 years you know what i'm saying and i don't think that's not going to be a good way to move forward. It's not going to build a big union. You know, <laughs> it's not going to yeah. build a big union. That's for sure. It's, it's yeah. Well, that's you know that what we're have, what we're seeing right now with these teachers is the is is a lot of people saying, hey, you know what? We can't wait for union leadership to make these changes and these decisions, man. Because you know they they want to maintain a happy relationship with the employer a lot of the time, right? You know, they don't want to strike, man. Because that's unrest, you know what I mean? That's that's upsetting the status quo. The status quo is, you know, the workers go to work, everything just moves along swimmingly. You know what well, I mean? We're, workers, we're not really going to get, yeah. I'm sorry, the workers... Substantial gains unless we push them to do something. Right, you know? and the workers don't want to lose the money from being on strike either, you know? like it's, No, so nobody it's like likes to strike, actually. Everybody you know, likes the gains, but we don't want to not get paid and not get, you know, yeah. Right. You know? So, and... and, and I, I I guess I want to talk a little bit about the the ele- the field of electrician because like I'm afraid of electricity. When I worked for the cable company, <laughs> I stayed so fucking oh, far away. Yeah, from these it. guys work with like 480 volts, man. It will fry you to a crisp. Yeah, I got like, hit with instantly. 90 once. I <laughs> I got hit with 90 <laughs> once and tried to go home for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if that's that bites at 90, man. When they're going up to the higher voltages. You will die like fast. But you know? it's yeah. it's also it's one of those jobs though where they can really abuse the people at the bottom. Where it's like, mm. am I right in that? Like where it's like people are very underpaid. Uh, there's a lot of like contract work that that doesn't yeah. pay all that well. Yeah. And like if there's yeah. a field yeah. that could use a union, it's a lot of those high skill building trades where people uh, where where like they'll take advantage of the people that really want to get into it because they do HVAC is the same way. They'll, they'll take advantage of HVAC people like crazy because so many people, they it's seen as electrician, HVAC plumbing. They're seen as, and people are going to snicker in their car or whatever, but they're really dream jobs for a lot of people. And uh, they're well paying. They're a lot better paying than a lot of the other jobs out there. Right. And yeah. and these bosses are so. What's happening is, they'll they'll take advantage of them, and then 
I guess the next question I want to ask is, do they know that they're getting paid prevailing wages? Because that they could just not tell them and pocket all the money if they wanted to. Um, yeah, you know, they don't often know. A lot of the workers on these sites don't know what prevailing wage actually is. They just, you know, their, their boss tells them to show up. They show up. They get paid what's on their check. They don't ask questions. You know what I mean? Uh, hey, bosses don't like asking questions. You know what I mean? Then you're a troublemaker, right? So what is your what? So, do, what do you end up doing? So what is your like? What's your process for for handling these sorts of things? Well, it's funny because I'm actually mostly an IT guy. <laughs> I'm mostly a computer guy. I do like all their their websites and servers and all that stuff. But I got kind of pulled into compliance because it's a way to get them more work, and it's also a, a you know it's a cool thing to do to get workers at least you know what they're due or at least do the good thing that we try to do mostly is scare contractors that are probably not going to pay their workers the proper wage off of jobs by basically saying hey we're going to be watching the job we're going to ask for that you can ask for the actual payroll on a job under the freedom of information act so actually anybody could do it a private citizen could say hey you know i want to see the payroll for this public works job send me the payroll now you don't get the names and addresses you don't get the personal information but you get all of the pay. You get to see what the workers were paid on the job. You know what I mean? So we, we follow that process and do some investigative work to try to actually contact the workers, figure out if they were paid, what it looks like they were paid on there, you know, well, on the, the paper. That's cool. You know? That's great. That's yeah. awesome. And, and that is, I mean, I, I that is a great way to handle it, too, is just to put it out there. Like, hey, we're paying attention here. And it's like, ah, oh, god damn it. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, it's some, some it's people are still, least, you know? some people are going to push it, but it's just like the same way that like the, um, uh, a lot of houses get saved by that 1495 sign kit that you can buy from the alarm company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. But you know, the thing is that the magnitude of it just gets to me sometimes realizing exactly how much wage theft is going on around the country, how much employers are stealing from the workers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nationally. And you think about, like, if, 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 if a worker on a construction site stole some materials, a couple hundred bucks worth of materials, he'd be in the slammer. You I know mean, what shit. I'm saying? Like, they oh, could yeah. steal a screwdriver and go to jail. A drill bit. Yeah. And they would take them to jail. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've, I've seen some, to jail. Yeah, some very you know? ridiculous uh, punishments happen in the workforce. Um, they will not take, you know, even people that take something home for the night, you know, take it. To, to keep it safe uh, it's, it's go weird. to the bathroom too much yeah. a lot of times on job sites you'll get you'll get shit for going to the bathroom too much and it's like huh, i'm sorry I, <laughs> I have a body i'm a human <laughs> yeah i remember yeah but you know th- go ahead. Now, i think that we need to see some sort of a change though in the way that because i love i'm a union guy through and through now i mean i think the union saved my life because i got insurance just before i found out i had cancer you know what I mean? Oh, wow. And then I had insurance because of my union. I was able to get the treatment I needed. And, you know, who knows where I'd be now if That's I hadn't fantastic. gotten into a union. Right. You know what I mean? So I lucked out. But a lot of people don't don't have that. A lot of people don't have a union. You know what I mean? They don't have those protections and those benefits. Yeah, and, then, and, and they they do set – it is good to set a standard, uh, you know, to set that standard of health care comes – you know, as part of the deal, you know, I'd like to take it away from employment, but, um, if at least, 
you know, where they're going to have issues. That's something they need to, to guarantee all of us, you know. That's one reason well, you know, that we should they, all be getting together. If they give together. us health care from the government, then, then the unions can start arguing for higher wages, Yeah. right? Then they don't have to be negotiating the health care all the time. They can spend their time talking about wages. Great. Time off. You know? They can spend some time. To, maybe we could start discussing time off. For, at some uh, yeah, point. How, about, how about a little shorter work week? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, you know. But that's, we're not going to have any of those changes, man, unless we have a real, like, movement, a union movement, instead of, because this is the thing, man, the history of unionism, there are some very reactionary elements in the unions, man, especially in the building trades. We're talking construction workers, you know what I'm saying? They love their guns and their trucks, you know? Right, but, I mean, there's a lot of, I, I'll, I'll say this, as a person who I consider myself pretty left and, and like I have some pr- pretty progressive politics. And I, I mean, I also like guns and trucks. I think trucks fucking rule <laughs> and guns rule, but you, you don't like them unless you have them. You don't like them unless you have them. <laughs> well, I'm saying, I well, I'm like just saying them. that they also have some very conser- other conservative views. Okay. We'll put it that way. You know what I mean? Besides guns and trucks. <laughs> There, there's a lot of racism too. Yes. You know? so. Well, that that's been a classic thing in the unions. Like that, that was from the beginning. Yeah. Like we were yeah. that we were fighting racism in the unions. But like, yeah, especially the AFL specifically. You know, the Wobblies came up as an alternative to that because they accepted everybody. You know, but you know the, the the AFL is still they're the big they're the big kid on the block. The, you know, the 500 pound gorilla when it comes to unionism. You know what I mean? AFL-CIO is basically the biggest, you know, coalition of unions nationwide. They're, they're the ones that, you know, that really call the shots when it comes to the, the established union movement. You know what I mean? And they're, they're not real radical. We'll put it that way. <laughs> they don't want to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, an impromptu general strike, a wildcat general strike happening. You know what I'm saying? Like something like this West Virginia well, yeah. could spark. Their popularity you know I mean? comes like, from bargaining away striking powers. I mean, exactly. that, that's what the majority of the big unions yeah. have done now is promise that they would never do anything to harm the company's profits or stop working. Yeah. Yeah, they have no strike clauses in a lot of their contracts. You know what I mean? Where they say, oh, well, it's illegal, basically, for us to strike. You know? So. Well, thanks for calling in, you know, man. It's I, super I, interesting. My pleasure, my pleasure. I just think we got to push, you know, the union leaders to change things. They're not going to change it for us, man. Right. You know, it's going to have to come from the bottom up, from the membership. Right. Know? Can I can I ask one more question before before we go? Yeah. Is there is are those so the records you're getting are public records? Yeah, yeah. Freedom of Information Act because you know it's a public project, so the public has a right to know if people are being paid properly. That's the idea, right? So so. I, maybe if there are street fighters out there that that want to look into these sorts of things, that's something that somebody that is trying to find something to do that maybe doesn't want to go out to to a to a fight to a march or something. Can we get people all the time that get a hold of us and say, "I don't, I, I don't know if I can do a march. I don't know if I can do this. What, what should my role be? What should I do?" That I mean, that doesn't seem like it's that out of the realm of possibility to find out if these contractors are ripping people off. And yeah, it's possible, especially if you have a, a personal connection with any of the workers on a on a site. Then you can ask them personally, and then request the information, you know, and look at their check and say, "All right, is that what you're actually getting paid?" Yep. And if they're not, that's illegal. 
Well, thank you <laughs> so, for calling you know, and pointing they, they this can't, out. They can't put it into some fund. That's not legal. They're not allowed to do that. So, that you know, me. whatever those, that contractor was doing to you was not under, you know, the, the rules. God so. damn it, Finney Industrial Roofing in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I caught you. Sorry, man. I You're not going to get to that check. It's not going to come in the mail. You can stop checking the mailbox. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I check online. I want the money. I would love to have that money. It seems like How long ago months. was it? Uh, 2001, before 9-11. It was pre-9-11. Oh, yeah. Work. I, I think that's past the statute of limitations on that one. But. Well, thanks for calling in. And, and again, no like, problem. Uh, thank you for solving my mystery. <laughs> my pleasure, man. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Thanks. That was Bye. crazy, Brett. Yeah, I man. always wonder where the hell that money went. I can't believe you didn't realize after a while that that's what they did. I thought it would be somewhere. It, like, it's in a nebulous place. Escrow someday, or something. Someday somebody was going to be like, hey, man, we have like $300 here that yeah. you had. You made back in 2001. We'd like to hand that to you. Like The, the uh, government actually puts all the money in savings bonds and plays those out <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> And so, Brian, come down to the government. Come pick up your money. <laughs> Brian, please, Brian, please. We'll come down on red, us. <laughs> we'll lay the red carpet out for you. That roofing you did back in 2000, in January of 2000, we got your money. Yeah. Okay, buddy? <laughs> come on down here. Thank you so much. You know what he did, everybody? He sat in a car full of poison. <laughs> And the bottom of the basement of this very parking structure that we park in every day. He was down there. On Vine Street, right across we, from the North Market. Now we can finally pay him. Yeah, that's where you park when you go to your Blue Jackets games. Took years off my life. Years. All right, let's get this next one in. I, I mean, that's a great dirty move, though. Is, <laughs> I mean, I would be scoring so many government jobs and just <laughs> taking everybody's money off the top. It's like... <laughs> No, all, all right, Floyd, you get an extra dollar an hour, and they're, like, flipping out. And, you know? dude, people were putting their party hats on. They'd be like, we got PW. This job's PW. And everybody gets so amped about it. I'm like, I'm getting an extra $3 an hour. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, they're getting an extra $8 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. That makes me so bad I know. to even think about right dude, now. Dude, they should get punched in the fucking stomach by everybody they pulled that move on. So many people over the years. They're probably still doing it, dude. They gotta be still doing it's it. It's a they good scam. It I mean, it it's a great good. way to make money. It's so you much. take advantage of people being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. You just got to take it. God damn, that's it, awful. Roofing. I mean, that's just. And I know. And it really, what it comes down to is that everybody is so beaten down. I think that uh, when you think of the caricature of West Virginians, it's of people that like are bottom of the barrel, but just get by for, with most things. And it's like you. you push back way too much like you got you're just this is you know can't continue you can't keep doing that you can't keep treating people like that but when it comes to wage theft you sure can yeah yeah wage theft is a one that easy you fight yeah and then and me people are just beaten i mean once again it's like i don't want to put up with that even what do i do call somebody on the phone and write down a number and fill out a form and you know what what's all is involved with that i just want to sleep when i get off work and have six beers you know like, yeah. i don't want to fight you know for that well who want you're gonna go in and be like i think you're ripping me off to yeah your I'm, boss. Gonna, I'm gonna what hire is- a lawyer i'm gonna spend uh i'm gonna spend a thousand dollars on a lawyer to get the extra 320 dollars i'm supposed to get on a job yeah absolutely all, all right, right let's take this next one let's see who is on the line who is on the line 
Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking Hello. to? Hey guys, it's uh, Rob. Rob Russo. The, the hey, how's it, how's it going? How are you, man? I'm I'm pretty good. I feel kind of weird calling in. It's like you have these like <clears throat> inspiring union activists on the show, and then it's like I call in to be talk about some Twitter drama that I started. You know, I feel like uh, it is funny what happened to you this it. week, and uh, <laughs> I like it, and I want to talk about it on the air because I know how it feels sometimes to. When it feels like you're in constant online battle in your in your mentions, but you did the dumbest thing in the world that you can do, and uh, go ahead and let everybody know what what happened here. Yeah, well, I don't know. I was just kind of it was in the morning, and I was trying to get some work done, and I, you know, like we all do sometimes, we like to send uh, you know annoying or rude tweets to you know reactionary uh, types that we don't like. Because uh, Twitter kind of, of course, brings out these, like, terrible traits that we all have and uh, encourages them and incentivizes them. And uh, so I've been reading about, like, these, like, pedantic gun people that they're obsessed with, like, liberals not knowing about guns and how they work and, like, commenting on it. And if you – and <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, Joe Walsh was tweeting about, uh, you know, um, the Parkland shooting and how uh, – Dick Sporting Goods was uh, no longer going to be selling the AR-15 or taking off the shelves. And, he, you know, he was giving one of these pedantic gun arguments about how there's no such thing as assault rifles. So, you know, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll send this tweet to Joe Walsh and uh, and just to bug him a little bit and maybe, like, trigger a few, uh, you know, gun weirdos. So I said, Joe, uh, the AR and assault rifle, uh, the, the AR and AR-15 stands for assault rifle, uh, dummy. And then uh, he retweeted me, and it just uh, unleashed this, like, insane <laughs> torrent of thousands and thousands and thousands of, like, these really weird, uh, pedantic, gun-obsessed uh, lunatics, basically, um, you know, uh, telling me, sending me to links to the, Arm- the AR-15 website, uh, Wikipedia, Google searches. Um, you know, memes, you know, dunking on me. Death me threats, to, you know, probably a few, myself, I'll shoot stuff. you with my AR-15s. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there was so many that, like, it was impossible for me to keep up with them. Uh, well, here's something so I'm I, sure there was a couple of those. So I, here's something I learned recently, yeah, Rob. Go ahead. Mute notifications on tweet. And uh, it takes all of that oh, away yeah. from you. Uh I love yeah, this. Well, that was one thing. Is that was another thing that I did is that I couldn't believe it when it was happening. And like you know, I know you know whenever anyone gets owned online, that you always end up saying you know that's the common refrain. I'm not mad, and I'm actually laughing. But it really was like <laughs> so hilarious that these these guys keep kept coming after me, and I like I just kept doubling down and tripling down and quadrupling down. And making it totally clear that I'm like I'm a dumb dude who's doing a bit trying to provoke them like intentionally, and they just wouldn't get it. They wouldn't let it go, and they just kept on coming by the thousands, and just they're so mad. And, and you know, it was, uh, it was, but to me, it was extremely funny. And actually, until about like hour twelve, that's when I kind of started to think like you know this is no this no longer feels good. This is like <laughs> this is right. uh, oh, that's that's exactly what I did. That's yeah, this I is your life now. The, 
notifications and they all exactly oh and you're canadian too you're canadian so you get to deal with all that shit too like oh you're a canadian you don't know anything about guns anyway (laughs) (laughs) honestly it was the perfect culmination of like me like sounding like a dumb asshole liberal uh journalist like this exact type of person that they've kind of invented in their heads and like i fulfilled that exact role for them and they got to like you have that, that that punching bag for an afternoon. Yeah, uh, I I think yeah, it, was, it was. I I just know it's pretty pretty great. It was pretty awesome. Their the arguments have it's a little bit, little bit, little intense. Their arguments have gotten wild this time. Uh, I kind of got into it with somebody on because I okay. So like, re, I did a tweet about a conversation I had with my father in law, who I'm not a gun control guy. Like I I don't. I'm not big on, on gun control at all. I think I don't care if people have guns. I, I wish so many people didn't feel the need to have them, but uh, I'm not like a big, I'm not big on gun control. I'm an anarchist. So you got to expect that from me. And uh, I posted that somebody said guns don't kill people. People kill people. And I, all I said was that guns do make it easier to kill people. That's not even an argument for gun control. <laughs> That's a fucking one <laughs> sentence. That's a fact. Okay. Guns are a button you can press to kill somebody. <laughs> That's what they are. And people, this people were arguing with me all day about like, what's the, what are we arguing about? They jump in with the like, Oh, well, we drive cars, kill more people than guns each year. And it's like, right. But the car takes me from a to Z. The gun ends lives. <laughs> None of these people. Yeah, well, then, no, that's it. I mean, the whole argument, it's like, you're, we're arguing about what technically constitutes an assault rifle. Like, we're saying, no, that's not an assault rifle because that's what gun manufacturers intentionally don't call it. Like, we're just arguing about this stupid, <laughs> pedantic nonsense. And it's like, we're not arguing about what the actual consequences of having these machines out there uh, murdering people is. We're just saying, no, that's not, you know, it's not technically an assault rifle, so fine, you know, that... that so it's just, it's completely, you know, why, and it's, I was wondering, why are we doing this? You know, the conversation is so dumb. Like, you're right. You're so uh, upset about this. They like, get us in the weeds easily. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I ain't going to talk to somebody that don't even know what a cylindrical drive hammer lock is. It's like, okay, sorry. I didn't know what this pin was on the side of the gun or why you have a knife hanging off of your gun. <laughs> it's, you know. Now that there's, like, I just want to start asking them, like, what do you do with the gun? Like, if the gun's not for killing people, what are the other uses? Are you learning trick shooting? Because if you're learning trick shooting, then that's cool as hell. You're just shooting, like, between your legs and around your back or something like that. They don't even do that, you know? Like, I can get behind the guys that have pistols, right? And they go out and they, they run across that little field. Have you ever seen that on TV, shooting games? Yeah. Like, I can get behind that. Hey, if that's what you want to do. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, you just go to the range and shoot it. I don't they know. don't go to the range. They go to the range once once every six months, and they shoot it. And then if somebody came and broke in their house, they'd be pissing their pants, and they'd drop the gun before they even got to them. I actually posted the other day that I put nails in the floor and then memorized where they were. <laughs> So that if somebody walked into my room, they would step on the nail and somebody on Twitter made the point that like, that's probably more effective than a lot of these guys with guns plans. Well, honestly, like 
so one of the particularly psychotic DMs I got from one of these gun guys, I ended up just like responding to him and like I got into like a like a like an hour long fucking DM conversation. I do that guy. too, Rob. I, I just, do that you know, too. Fun, yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. Number one, it made me like profoundly sad. But uh, <laughs> number two, though, I did feel like I figured something out about what uh, this means to this this really specific type of like gun person. Because like that's, that's it. I'm not. I I didn't really grow up around guns. I don't really like begrudge people for wanting for wanting to have one. Like I know many people have them and are totally fine with it. Uh, many people in marginalized communities that are kind of terrorized by the police and everyone feel like they need them for protection. And I also totally get that, you know, but this very specific type of like gun guy, like I was talking to him and it did really make me realize because he ends up just ranting about, Oh, if the government becomes too tyrannical, we're going to, I know we can, we're going to organize and we're all going to go and the army is going to go on our side and we're going to have a new government. And, you know, he was telling me, Oh, gun control, just this, it's it's elite thing. So, an elite uh, manufactured crisis that they're going to take away their guns. And then, but I was, I was trying to tell them, I'm like, they've already taken everything from you. Like, yeah. why, why are you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They take uh, everything. Except taken, for they, the already guns. Stole your, they already stole your future from you. They already stole your kids' futures. They're just, they already destroyed the planet. It's, it's too late for that now. Um, well, it just depends whether or not they're playing is, the national anthem when they do it. <laughs> they do think the no, army and the cops me... won't kill them when it come when the shit goes down. The army and the cops are going to be like, "Oh, I saw that you flew a Blue Lives Matter flag outside of your house. You're okay. We're not going to kill yeah. you because the government told us to. We've killed literally every single other person that the government has told us to kill, but we're not going to kill you." <laughs> No, and that's that's exactly right, and that's what it kind of made me realize, though, is that having these guns for these guys, for these dudes, it's like the only thing that makes them feel like they still have some measure of control, like they still like have this freedom because they have the guns, like even though like you know the elites that they're so have had their hands in their pockets for generations, they've already like taken everything, so. Uh, it's the only thing that makes them feel like they're still like somehow you know in control of their futures, and and they, and, and they have a chance to you know uh, to shake that off eventually. Yeah, I, I I just can't imagine. I I just I don't even get want to get involved with that stuff anymore. So he doesn't um, want to fight on. Brett yeah, is, I don't want to fight on Twitter either. I, last time I got it, I got it from the left, and it actually made me feel like when when i get it from the left i feel bad even though i know that i have some opinions that maybe don't jive that much with some of the socialists and stuff they're generally nice but some of the people on there are just like why why am i even like what i don't want to talk to like i would just rather not talk to these people like i'd rather just not even know they exist but when i get into a fight with the conservatives and and i think i told somebody in our facebook group actually had the same problem you did rob and i kind of told him like when i get into it with the conservatives i generally just keep stringing them along i just keep answering the questions in the dumbest possible way that I can answer them what until they figure yeah. out they're talking to somebody that isn't taking them seriously. And I like to see how many, well, yeah, the... I like to see how many responses Sorry. that I can get before they're like, this, this guy's just jerking me around. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing that totally blew my mind about that because that's what I was doing. I just, I was making it so obvious that I was like, 
messing with them and they just continue they just don't get it it's weird it's like their brains are just like fundamentally broken in some way that they wouldn't they wouldn't let it go you know they kept on correcting me no matter what anyone could say to me i was just like no one could convince me that it meant anything other than assault rifle and it just the more i continued to deny it to them the more they like it drove them crazy I ended up getting like ten thousand replies to like the, the the tweets that were out there. I feel it was just for like you. Hours and hours and hours of like thousands and thousands of people just losing their minds over it. So is it over now? Is it over for you? Yeah, mostly. There's, there's like the next day is like, like the next couple of days. There's like a few stragglers in my mentions, like still trying. To, yeah, they'll never so, go like, away those, completely. Those soldiers that that those soldiers that don't know the war is over and they're still. <laughs> You know, it's those, those guys. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. And honestly, it was, uh, like, I don't, really, I don't really like those people. Uh, I don't like Joe Walsh, you know. That's why, I don't, that's why I was trying to make fun of him and trying to annoy those guys. And, you know, it's, uh, it, was, it was a little wild, but uh, it was, it was, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good run there. So, uh, so are, are you going to be good from now on, or are you still going to get into these fights with these people? I think I'm going to take a, maybe a little break, but, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. Like I said, Twitter kind of incentivizes these, uh, these, these impulses to, uh, you know, uh, uh, try and tweak these, uh, these reactionary types that I, that I despise. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes, you know, I don't really think I think about it. And, uh, that's why I was one example of like one of these times just kind of snowballing into this massive, uh, uh, shit storm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before we let you go, uh, we need to ask any, are you pissing off WWE again now? I mean, that's your other job is uh, instead yeah, of yelling yeah, at Joe Walsh, your other job is pissing off WWE. So Brett and I can't go to WrestleMania. I should have someone, something new on them coming out pretty soon. Brett, Rob is, Rob is the one who said, I'll get a hold of my editor for vice and see if he can get you see if you can write something and get a press pass to WrestleMania. And then he was like, but you probably don't want to tell him it's from vice because they don't like us. Cause of some stuff that I've written. He wrote about the ultimate warrior. Yeah. It's we like, talked about it on the show. It's like you bastard. Yeah. Rob. Well, that's it. I wanted to, I wanted to read the Brian goes to WrestleMania piece. That's why I tried to see if I could, uh, I could pull any strings for you. But there's, like, it's like, that's probably pretty unlikely. And when I, once I thought about it, I was like, yeah, they really, they really hate me. So yeah, like I, that problem. probably, hey, you know what? If you're not making WWE your enemy, then you're not fighting fascism, I guess. I don't know. We might, <laughs> we could still yeah, probably exactly. end up getting in there. I just found out I'm getting a tax return. So I'm, I'm looking yeah. at the tickets, but I, $250 is too much. I just look at it and I'm like $250 and I'm going to be like 47 rows back. And they have the big stage set, so there's no... Like, it's wrestling. It's two men or women fighting each other. There's no way you're going to be able to see it from the seat. But my wife is in my ear like, you should go to WrestleMania, Brian. You want to go to WrestleMania, yeah, Ryan, you should you go know to what? WrestleMania. Hey, Brian, Brian, I think you should go to WrestleMania, too. You're a big shot uh, celebrity, per Twitter personality, radio personality influential podcast host i think you deserve to treat yourself go to wrestlemania it's a couple hundred bucks it's gonna be fine you're gonna have a good time plus I, my so that's my that's my opinion plus my best buddy that's sitting across from me brought his wife so i'm not going to be able to 
hang out with him on Sunday night. He's busy romancing while I will be alone because all of my smarky friends are leaving on Sunday. <laughs> all my wrestling friends are leaving on Sunday. <laughs> so I'll be probably yeah, sitting in a, I'll be sitting in an Airbnb watching WrestleMania by myself with headphones on. <laughs> Rob, thanks for calling in. Uh, It was fun talking to you. Stay out of fucking trouble and and keep pissing off the WWE. Yeah, well, I'm I'm taking I'm taking a little vacation. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from Twitter for a little bit. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, good to check in with. Yeah, I mean that's the world we live in today. You can become a viral meme that gets becomes the uh, target of a feeding frenzy. And like you said, I mean, that is true. It's kind of doing a service because those folks want a straw man. And those people want like a, a punching bag. Those people want to get it out. Like they're like, this makes them feel good, you know? And you're allowed to provide that. Yeah. It's like the two minute hate in, in this book. Have you ever heard of this book? 1984. Oh, yeah. By George Orwell. Yeah. Sometimes it's very, some say that book is very Orwellian. I've heard that. Thing. I think but so. They I have think like I remember a, that. I like to provide them with a little bit of time of hate. Yeah. You know? Just yeah, let, just let me, me be everything you hate. So, wait. Hold on. One, we might go to a break here if I can't. Uh, what? We're going to take one more and then we're going to go to a break. All right. Let's see who's on the line. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Who's this? Hi. Oh, my God. Hello. This is um, first time, long time. My name is Natalie. What's up, Natalie? How are you? Hey. Oh, my gosh. I'm so good. I love you guys. Um, I'm calling from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I've been there. You, you're um, right by us. You're very close to us. Right by you. Aren't you guys out in like Ohio? We're something? in Columbus, but Harrisburg's like the first city out of Pencil out of Ohio, isn't it? That's pretty close, right? I'm looking at a map now. I, don't I feel know like where a dumbass. Are. I believe you, but I feel like you have to drive at least two to five hours to get to us. Like I think No. <laughs> I think it's a really long drive. Okay, okay. Like if it was less than it like than I think it is, I would have been up there to buy weed like way by now because like you guys can buy it for free right no not or, yet I'm sorry, not for free um you can almost buy it legally september september i don't believe it uh, i won't believe okay. it until i'm standing in the dispensary but uh brett and i are actually going to start working on getting our cards we we've already done the research we have to see a psychiatrist so we're both going to have to pull that off. We, we're we both going to have to go do that. We found one that'll do it over Skype. Uh, you got to I mean, one of the things is PTSD. And I think that's what I'm going to do since I got robbed and, you know, they pointed a gun at me. I quit my job. My whole life got uprooted. And now I'm a podcaster. I think I have a good chance of getting that because diagnosis. Oh, no, the ultimate punishment. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, Pennsylvania is the same way. We actually just launched our, like, medical marijuana shit, like, uh, almost a year ago. And I think there's, like, eight 
um, qualifying um, syndromes or whatever, you have to classify under one. And the only mental health one is PTSD. Yeah, I mean, that um, one, no. Because I... No, go yeah, ahead. Like, I know a lot of people like with anxiety and like depression who greatly benefit from weed, but like... They're going to have to wait a while because it's just PTSD for now. Yeah, we're in the Midwest, and unfortunately people want like, they only have compassion for folks that, like, you know, have some sort of a hospital-style disease or, or condition, you know? Tuberculosis or something like that. They're like, I don't want these people <laughs> out here feeling good off this weed. I want it to barely get them above, like, livable feelings, you know? <laughs> Stage four cancer, like you can have as much weed as you want, but until then, like you're gonna have to calm down. I mean, believe it or not, New Jersey's actually worse. Yeah, I heard that they're like getting theirs up and running. Yeah, like uh, New Jersey is like all kinds of different cancers, and and like it's like the real deal stuff. We have a lot of stuff, like they. <laughs> I keep pressing a button on my phone too much, and it's calling 911. <laughs> so I need to disable that function. I've probably called 911 15 times on this phone since I've had it. <laughs> what? No. I'm fidgety. Don't, don't find me for that shit. That's a fidget spinner. So that that keeps me focused. It's calling 911 oh. and hanging up as fast as I can. That keeps me laser focused. It didn't actually call 911. I heard a rear? I heard a siren. No, it says that. It's like, check it. We're going to call 911. And then you're like, oh, I got to stop. You get three seconds to stop it. And then usually if you did call 911, which I have, they'll call you back and be like, hey, did you need anything? I'm like, nah, I was just playing with my phone. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've definitely done that before. And they've called me back. And I've been like, oh, the situation is over. And they're like, chill. Cool. Bye. And then it's fine. Yeah. So what's going on tonight, Natalie? What are you what are you up to? Um, like uh Harrisburg is pretty chill. Like we're getting our shit together. Um we're starting a fledgling DSA chapter over here, uh, which we're all really excited about. We're trying to do some shit. Um we're also starting an IWW chapter, which is pretty cool. Like we got uh, a little bit of wobblies, like wobbling over here, which is nice. Um I actually work for the county assistance office here in the the capital of our great Commonwealth, Pennsylvania. So I work at the county assistance office authorizing um, food stamps and medical assistance for people, um, which is like a cool gig if you like people, but if you hate them, uh, people hate their job. Sure. Well, I mean, if you if you like, I mean. And we just got to make sure that the people that don't mind dealing with people can get into those positions. A lot of times they just don't pay you enough for doing something as unlikable as dealing with the people. Yeah, like it's unfortunate because like I think people all deserve to have health care. And most of the people I work with uh, would enjoy if everyone just got fucked. And, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to say that. It's I've safe been harbor. a lot. We're in safe harbor. It's okay. Like most of the people I work with are just worried about people lying and getting benefits they're not eligible for. Like everyone is like, oh, these people are just getting so much food stamps. And like she lives with her boyfriend and her boyfriend has money and he should be paying. And I'm just like, 
look, like, single moms can't depend on guys that are in and out. Like, why are you making their income dependent on whether this other income is in the household? Like, it's such it's such a conflict of opinion, and it's, like, difficult because I just want people to have health care and money to buy food. Do you- and everyone I work with is just like, no, these are just motherfucking moochers. And it's, like, it's like a battle zone. It's difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. That's tough. I mean, I know that's uh, – there's some nurses – that I know that also have to deal with like some of the, uh, the, the charitable wings of the, the hospital and just talk about, you know, that these circumstances where people are desperate and struggling and trying to get as much as they can, uh, and making it work. And it's really not helpful for people. It's not helpful if we all just, uh, sit around and talk about like them being the problem when, uh, you know, the structure, that we're all working under isn't providing for a lot of us, you know? And, and can I say something that's interesting? It's so interesting that you're saying that you work with a lot of people who are, who, who are kind of want to make it hard because every single person I know, uh, every single person I know that is against like giving people food stamps or, or help says that they know somebody that works at the food stamp office and that that person tells them that everybody's trying to rip them off. Like I hear that all the fucking time. And uh, it's difficult because you would think people, people deal with it. Like it's a personal tragedy. Like if someone hears that a woman is getting food stamps for her and her three kids and her boyfriend moves back in and also happens to be the father of one of the children, and he's a mandatory household member. So say that he's been there for a month or two, but he's not, like, committed. All of a sudden, it's like, you need to claim his income, and that can make you completely over income for food stamps. So people are like, oh, this guy's been living here for a month or two, and he needs to be on the record. And I'm just like, uh, maybe, but, like, who knows if he's going to bounce in a second, so it's difficult. But people are like, oh, well, this is a scam, and they have another $2,000 of income more than they're claiming, so so that's fucked up, and it should be an overpayment, and I'm like, calm down, you know? Yeah, $2,000 isn't doesn't go very far in this world, you know? No. And uh, I, I, uh, I used to, I don't, I don't know, I'm sorry. That's that's awful. I really just I don't know what I can't I can't really I have nothing that is comparable because um, that just sucks that folks are in that uh, in that role and can't seem to see the humanity. It's one of those things where like when I do volunteering or if I go out there and I see people's situations for me, it's something that makes me understand that you know anybody can really end up in that situation and 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 a lot of it has Mm -hmm. to do where you're born and who you're born to decides where you're going to end up and uh it's really just hurts to see that other people can't figure that out you know especially when they're supposed to be adults and and we all have friends and family that uh, are struggling or that need assistance or uh incapable of you know uh, uh paying the bills and it's you know it's not because they're bad people. It's it's just not as simple as like everybody's trying to uh, steal from the the community pot. Do you do you? Yeah, like it's it's a, no. Sorry, you go ahead. I mean, do you feel? I, I mean, do you really think that there are a lot of people in there? Do you think feel like there are a lot of? Because I don't feel like a lot of people want to spend time 
going through the motions to get these things if they don't need them. That's I, maybe I'm being like naive, but that's just what no, I think. No, like I honestly agree with you because it's a fucking oh, damn. There I go again. I'm sorry. It's a lot of ha- of a hassle to get benefits. Like you have to verify your income. You have to provide like if you want to get food stamps, you have to provide your most thirty uh, your most recent thirty days gross wages. You need to provide, like, verification that your kids are living with you sometimes, like school enrollment records. Like, like getting assistance is not always just as easy as signing your name and Social Security number on a paper, and people think that it is, and it's a shame because, like, I especially get a lot of people that are, like, um, like older people that have thought that they can depend on Social Security to, like, hold them up, and now they realize that what they're making is not nearly enough. So they apply for, like, food stamps, and then maybe maybe they only get, like, 60 bucks a month in food stamps, but I have some old people that, like, cry on the phone because they're like, you don't even know, like, I don't have any money for food or, like, bread. Like, I really appreciate this, and I'm like, well, damn, I'm just doing my job, but, like, I'm really glad that, like, this will help you. Like, people are really awesome. And, yeah. And, like, just trying to do the best for themselves, and it's, it's you know... I did. I mean, I did Meals on Wheels over the weekend uh, with our DSA group here in town, and uh, and that's one where I just when you see a headline or that says like they're going to cut those services or go after that stuff, and then you know that you actually see the faces, know the people that will be affected by it, and it's just unspeakable. It's just like it's just it's really shitty that people get to go through their day to day life and and just kind of talk about this stuff and vote on this stuff without any sort of real understanding of, of uh, you know, what's going on in the world and what, what people are doing or how people are living or, or ma- getting by, you know, where so many people are disconnected from that and don't even want to know. And they just want to assume it's, you know, I'm doing better now because I'm a good person and bad people end up struggling. And uh, that's enough for me. Yeah. And I tend to think actually that more people don't get it that need it than people who get it that don't need it. it. No, absolutely. There's there's a big like stereotype. Like a lot of people like cuz if you want to get food stamps, you have to do a telephone interview. Like you have to speak to someone over the phone. Medical assistance, you can apply and put your pay stubs in and if you're eligible, you get it and that's all. But for food stamps, you have to speak to someone over the phone so they can, like, you know, half interrogate you to make sure you're not lying, quote, unquote. But um, if you talk to someone over the phone for a food stamp, um, like, you have to ask them a lot of questions. And it's honestly pretty daunting. Yeah, but, I mean, um, it's, I would never, I remember I got laid off from a job and they were like, you can mm-hmm. get unemployment like just go ahead and sign up for unemployment and i didn't even want to go through that process and i went out and got the first shitty job i could find so i wouldn't have to do that and i'd be able to get a check it was a call center so it wasn't like it was the hardest job in the world so i just took it but it's like there are a lot of people who are just like i don't want to do the paperwork or anything i'd rather do almost anything no 
Like, there's a lot of people that are ashamed. Like, I call people sometimes who have applied for medical assistance. Like, I, I work in a case where hospitals apply a lot. Like, if someone's in a hospital, hospital for, like, three weeks and they don't have insurance and they have a $300,000 bill and they can't afford it, like, they will apply to the county assistance office and I'll review their application and I'll call them and I'll be like, good news, like, you're under income for Medicaid and we can authorize it for you to cover those bills. And they're like... They're, like, happy about it, but they're also kind of, like, is this okay? Like, I feel like uh, I'm not trying to do any handouts. And they all, a lot of people make excuses. Like, I'm normally really, really fine on my own, and I try my best, and I'm a hardworking person. And I'm like, I know you are. Like, I can see. I can see your quarterly wages. Like, you've, hold, you've held a job. Like, we're all proud of you. Right. But, like, you've fallen over times and it's no fault of your own. And, like, you also deserve medical care. So, like, you should have it. Take it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is, yeah, I mean, the, most people are working that are receiving assistance. That's what you can never get through the thick skulls of these people is, uh, <laughs> is that there are folks that, that the majority of these folks have a job. The households have employment, and it's just not enough to get by uh, in the world. And, and who and who can't like, you know, I just I had a, a medical issue in December and I'm ha- I'm having I have another one right now. And also he's a mess. He's actually I'm falling a, a, apart. He, he's he's a hoopty. He's good looking man, but he can't get this body. <laughs> but it's been weird because this is the first time when I had it before. I just I had to ignore it. I mean, I had like no health insurance for a decade. And now that I finally have it, I can just call and make an appointment or walk into a place and, and now get taken care it. of. Yeah. <laughs> he's I'm, driving I'm, that yeah, Cadillac insurance all over. Right. It's nice. It's comfort. It's, it's way more comforting to have like a professional look at, look at me, you know, and tell me what's going on than just trying to figure it out from the internet and take some sort of supplements. Yeah, I mean, off. Brian can tell you his, like best opinion but it's better to get like a doctor's opinion i think i mean my opinion is actually pretty good <laughs> i know a lot about uh, how the human I body it. works I, I i've studied sociology so there's that and i you know i usually just tell you it's you've known a lot of people that got sick gerd yeah i just told brett i keep telling brett it's gerd is what he has and that his gerd gastrointestinal reflux disorder He's got the heartburn, but he, I would go to the doctor. Even I wouldn't. Just heartburn. That sucks. Everybody gets heartburn when they get old. That's what happens. Once you get past thirty, you just get heartburn all of a sudden. I redlined it on this Carfagna's pasta sauce because I moved back to Columbus and somebody showed. I ended up buying this sauce and I realized it was the sauce from my childhood. And we also got a pasta Uh-oh. maker for Christmas. And so we started eating pasta like three times a week. And I think it did to the point where my pot belly <laughs> boiled over and burned my esophagus. <laughs> you know, I've heard that tomatoes are actually very acidic and they're bad for heartburn. Oh, they fuck I you up. Actually Hardcore. Yeah. That's why I take so medicine it, it for heartburn. Good, good tomatoes, but they're like sweet red vitamins. Um, just being too acidic. I take medicine for heartburn, but Brett, he's like like fucking Bruce Willis and he's like just get me some Tums <laughs> and he chews Tums all day like some kind of a like 80 you, next thing you know he's gonna be like let me I'm, he'll pull a Pepto out of his pocket and take a big swig I'm switching to I'm switching to the uh, licorice and marshmallow root 
Oh, the natural. Jesus Christ, just get some Zantac, my dude. I don't want that. It, you get addicted to it, but it see, I don't the want acid, that, right? And then you just have to take it every single day for the rest of your life. That's all. Yeah, I don't. I see. I want. I. I don't want to get that. I'm not going to take on that sort of liability, seeing where the the course of the government is going. <laughs> well, I'm just going to have to go through like a month of tummy aches. <laughs> okay. After the government crumbles, that's they don't ever put that in any of the dystopian movies or anything, Everyone. where like somebody's getting withdrawal from Zantac. <laughs> My stomach aches get worse. Like oh. <laughs> Fuck, my stomach is killing me. <laughs> the, yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm going to be the first person at the pharmacy. I'm going to get my antidepressants, a big bottle of those, and a big bottle of Zantac and just hit the road. The zombie road or whatever. Well, Natalie, thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in all the way from the center of Pennsylvania, which yeah, we is nowhere near the border we of Ohio. I did not co-sign, yeah. I did not co-sign his approximation of your location. What's that? I said, thanks so much for having me. I love you guys. We love you guys. My fiance listens to you, too. He's kind of asleep, but he's a good boy. Oh, we love him. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Tell We wish him sweet dreams. And uh, there is a movement for Harrisburg. A couple. Of, I've already had two or three people that are like, if you want to go someplace that's real cool that isn't like a, city, a big city, you need to check out Harrisburg. So. Maybe mm-hmm. we will. I Maybe. bet you there's part of our DSA because I've talked to some people about how we're trying to get you over here. We'll get we're there. We're trying to just put little messages in your brain via, like, DMs. Y'all got again. casinos there? Oh, we have, like, one. It's not great. Mm, okay. Brett don't care about quality. Yeah, he just need to, to be able sh- to bet real money. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. No we Mickey Mouse games. In, in Hershey, Harrisburg area. You're oh, Hershey. Hershey. We, we got kids. Yeah, we've there. got kids. Are you serious? I went when I I went to the Hershey factory when I was in third grade. Drove the Hershey Highway to get there, <laughs> didn't you? Yes. That was funny. That's a joke I did. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't know it was Hershey. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. down. We'll be there for sure. Now it's Hershey. We'll take We're go- on the way to Ocean City for <laughs> vacation. We'll yeah, do a Harrisburg. Because, like, Harrisburg is in a big city, but it is the capital, so people tend to gather here for, like, important stuff, you know, government-wise. So it, it can be a cool hot spot. All right, all right. I'll take your word for it. Thanks yeah. for calling in. Have a good one. Uh, Natalie, so do you want to get to Harrisburg? Yeah, I do want to get to Harrisburg. We will get to Harrisburg. Yeah, we will get to Harrisburg. I promise, because I want I want to take one of them Hershey baths. They they always show a Hershey bath. Have, oh, chocolate spa. You're right. Yeah, chocolate bath. We lay in that chocolate bath. Get get chocolate in our beans and our buttholes. Yep, yep, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Smooth it in. Can you eat some of the chocolate when you're in? I would do it. I, I don't would. have a problem with it. I don't care. I, it's my I would. body. Who cares? Yeah, I don't know, but baths are kind of, I hate baths in general. Have you taken a bath? I Why? don't like to. I don't like to see my body like that. Oh. Like you're laying down and you can just see everything laying in front of you. But it's all reflected from the light, so it looks all weird and weirder. Yeah. No, my wife is always like, oh, I, you know, I hope this hotel has a, a has a bath so I can take a bath. And I'm like, I hope. I never have to take another bath again as long as I live. My wife is addicted to baths, and she was like, you should try it sometime. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. And I was like, I feel like I'm in chicken noodle soup right now, and I have to stand up and take a shower and get all of this off of me. Right. I want to get the shower, get in and get out. Bathing isn't like 
uh, uh, what is it, a recreational activity for me. It's I mean, a part of the day that I have to do. Maybe I should take. I would take a shower and then take a bath. I think that would probably be the way to do it. That's not the way to do it because you wouldn't okay. be soaking in filth. Okay, you wouldn't be soaking like your grime. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd lay in chocolate. That's I would lay in so chocolate. Much I would much rather do chocolate. And yes, I would put a little, like put a little straw in my mouth and just suck up <laughs> a little bit too. I'll be like, throw some of that Reese's peanut butter in here. It's <laughs> peanut butter swirl in mine, please. <laughs> I'm so gross. I always I keep thinking about how gross I am, like because I'm just like, I was, so I'm watching Chop the other day, and this and this chef drops the bacon. He, he's making bacon for his thing, and he, he's supposed to crumble it on top. Dude drops it on the floor, picks it up off the floor, puts it back on the plate, and they're like, ugh. I am not eating that. I saw you pick it up off the floor, and I was like, I would eat that. I don't care. Like, what, what's the difference between a floor and a table or a plate? <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen some gross floors. Fine. You can it, you can eat off of, don't eat off of a gross floor. Well, their floor, though, at the chopped kitchen has to be probably immaculate. Oh, God. it's a I would eat off the chopped floor. You could pour the food. You could put you the food serve it on, on the, the chopped floor, and I would sit down Indian style <laughs> or cross-legged and eat it. <laughs> All right, we're going to do one more, and we're going to hit our break for real this time. All right. Thanks for calling Street Fighter. Who are we talking to? Hey, hey, what's going on? It's uh, Mr. Stokes. Stevens calling from Florida, from Orlando, Florida. How you guys doing? Oh, Orlando. How, how are things in Orlando? <clears throat> um, I, at least in my circle, it's not very good, man. That Parkland shooting, um, a lot of the people that I went to school with, um, I went to like a performing arts high school. Of course and, you did. And uh, <clears throat> a lot okay. of the people ended up getting, like, you know, BAs and stuff. So, like, all they could do is be a teacher now. So, like, a lot of my friends are teachers, in other words. And so there's this big tension because Florida just passed, like, a, a bill that's, like, on, you know, spending $67 million of state money that, you know, apparently didn't exist for social programs or anything like that. No, that money. Um, <laughs> being allocated for, for, for arming teachers, which is crazy. Because, like, being a, like, growing up and going to high school in, in Florida, like, out of all the, like, the menagerie of dipshits I met in this state, like, which is, think about it, a lot of them, uh, teachers were very, very close to the top of that list. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we know that a lot of our fans are teachers. And, like, it's really funny to me that it's, like, we've talked to them, too, and they're, like, they're cool, but it's, like, I don't know. I mean, they're not universally trustworthy with guns, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not really like a picking on teachers thing. It's more so like, uh, what the fuck are they going to do with that? Because they're like me. I don't know what the hell to do with the gun. Well, yeah, like we just we did the same. We're of the same ilk, you know. Well, I mean, the the issue too is as soon as you introduce it in this situation, I mean, someone's going to use it, and uh, I mean, the teachers are racist as a whole. I mean, they. <laughs> They punish the black kids harder, sent, hold them back. We, I mean, oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Listen, if Connor did something, it'd be one thing. But if Dontavious did something, it'd be another thing. And if Jose did something, it was somewhere in between. I was usually in between. Like I had a teacher one time. Like there was one period. It was it was first period, and he was the he was our football coach, uh, Coach Moore, and uh, he was also like a deacon at the local Baptist church or whatever. Like I, I really, really did have like such a stereotypical Southern white upbringing even though i'm 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 a puerto rican guy it's weird but um 
So this guy uh, at first period, everyone, you, you know how it is in first period, man. Everyone's wiping out their eye boogers. No one's really awake. You know, everyone's kind of trying to take a, a little second nap in the morning after the bus ride. Um, at least if you went to like poor ass school like I did. And this guy's like uh, going off on some uh, tangent about the Mexican-American war. And he goes, yeah, you know, and then uh, they're called uh, uh, Mexican-Americans or Chicanos nowadays. Or uh, as we used to call them, we, well, we used to call them wetbacks when I was yeah. younger. But, you know, they, they said we can't say that anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm the only one that's cognizant right now. Everyone else is asleep. And I'm just looking around the classroom like, yo, did anybody else just hear this? <laughs> like, anybody else just hear this? You know, like, he, like, that's. You know what I'm saying? That's in the top five. The N-word's only number one, but that was in the top five. That is in the top five. I'll, I'll put that in the top five, I think. It's one of the... It's it's as bad as you can say about Mex- Puerto Ricans or... I, now I'm messing up. Chicano, <laughs> right? But... Uh, yeah. Did you go to fame by any chance? Is that the school you went to? I'm just... When you said a performing... Art, when you said a performing arts school, the first thing I thought was Stoke Stevens went to fame. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the closest, like, uh, ratchet Florida incarnation of it. I went to, like, the fame where, like, there's certain ponds you can't go into because they're, they're literally gator-infested. Right, right down the street from my school was, in fact, a theme park that was called Gatorland. And the main attraction was and still is uh gator like a gator wrestling like and then they also have a thing where they just like string up uh chickens like just like raw whole chickens on a fucking clothing clothing line and then the gator a big gator jumps up and eats it it's like uh it's just a wonderful just just garbage florida fun you know people just like drink four locos in the parking lot and go in there and use their you know, disney employee discount or whatever and then they pay eight bucks to watch alligators do so one that sounds sweet <laughs> two is that the place where yeah. that guy got his head bit? Have you ever seen that video of that guy where they're like, if a if a drop of sweat touches this alligator's tongue, he will clamp down Im- immediately. So this guy, he's got his head. He's doing his little trick. He's like, check it out. I put my head in an alligator's mouth because the mouth is open. And then apparently a little bit of sweat touched his tongue. And he just <laughs> clamped down on the guy's head. And he's like, oh, let me out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that was like one of the first like viral videos. Was that iteration, that that was like at an iteration of that theme park in Miami, actually. But uh, but yeah, now like, the, like you know how at in high school, like there was kind of always like that one kid that was a magician or like into magic. I don't know if I don't, maybe it was just my school, but no, they no, there was yeah, a guy they, that used to like wear like a. Yeah, they got their pants yeah. pulled down. Yeah, we would have beat up a magician. I mean, at <laughs> least me and my friends would have beat up a magician. <laughs> we, I did not go to a performing arts school. I went to a redneck school. No, but see, I'm the only one that was like that. Like, if like if you guys were my homies at the arts school, we would have ran that bitch. You know what I mean? But it's just like I was the only one that was basically from the hood at that school. Everybody else sent their kids to that school, regardless if they were into the art or not, just so that they didn't have to go to school with all the black and Puerto Rican. Public school. They didn't have to go to public school, which is like basically the goal now for most like parents is like, oh, I just hope my kid doesn't end up in public school. That's why Brett. I mean, my kid's in public school and Brett is I'm admirer of Brett because like in Columbus, everybody's like, I don't want my kids to go to Columbus schools. That's the it's like sentencing him to jail or something when it's not even true. Like Brett's daughter is in a really great program. 
in the district where they say not to send your kids. See, but the other thing about it, though, is they still have the lottery program, though, where, like, you got to do some work. Your parents got to do some work to get you into, like, an advanced school. If not, you're going to like regular school. Well, regular school's fine. It is fine. You went to regular. No way you went. My school was a was a public school. It was just a magnet school or whatever. So you had to like audition to get in. But I was able to get in because what did you do? Created like a pilot writing program, and like all it took was just like having high writing scores on a standardized test, and then I was just able to just you know kind of waltz my way in there, and that led to an incredibly fucking mediocre. A high school career. What did you do? What, what like, what was right. your, what was your performance? Would you do a one man show? Um, I did. The first year was like <clears throat> they had a, a pilot program, like called creative writing. Like they had majors at that school or whatever. It's a, it's, it, it was originally a portion of like the corporate Tupperware like conference center that they converted into a, a high school that had like a fully functioning uh, auditorium. And uh, so then um, my whole thing was the first year I was, like, uh, in creative writing. So we just, like, I took, like, a screen. Like, basically, you take your, your core, like, three or four classes, like algebra and this, and then, you know, whatever the other ones are. And then on top of that, you take, like, three classes related to, your, you know, art form or whatever. So I'll take, like, screenwriting, like, journalism, and then, like, writing for, you know, like, expository writing three or whatever it was, some AP class. And, like, it was just kind of like an intensive writing program. And then, wow. like, there weren't enough kids to, like, really – justify making like a big program like that but they just kind of used it with a theater program and that's when i got that's when i kind of became a bully because like i was i was just like i had gone from playing like football wrestling and baseball like in the backwoods of florida you know with people who were doing dip to like being in the middle of like a different part of town with a bunch of like you know very flinty artistic kids and it was it was a rough transition at first you know especially when i got into the theater department because we all we all we all knew how the theater kids were I don't think any of us were exactly theater kids. Right. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a bit. That's wild. I mean, that's good that you had the opportunity, though. We're we're breaking uh, down boundaries and stereotypes tonight. You know, even in even in the uh, swamps of Florida, you can learn about art. So what is uh what is what what is? So do you know anybody that's like deal like gonna get a gun? Are like what is this Florida thing? Are they like forcing the teachers to have a guns or is it like are they going to be patrolling the hallways or is this like uh uh, a voluntary program do you know about that no i think i think the worst part of it is that the the same you know basic series of questions you just asked are the same questions that the teachers that i know are asking aloud so i mean um i'm sure they're going to come out with something here um but they certainly they certainly weren't shy about approving the funding for it no hell no. And, uh, it, that, that just sounds catastrophic. That like something really, really bad is going to happen as a result of that law. You know, like anybody, like the most, like Mr. Magoo could see that dude. Like, come on, man. Right. Like, you can't. I know a lot of like I've gone to like I've done like topo night with teachers before. You know what I mean? Like it's, they're not necessarily. And I'm not you know bragging on them, but at the same time, they're human too. Right. And, and, you know, I, I've been thinking about this te- ever since this came up. I had an earth science teacher in ninth grade and this dude was like, he used to take Mr. Schwindeman, Brett was his name, Mr. Schwindeman. <laughs> er, and Sounds he, like a brand of white bread. It did. It, well, he was a brand of white bread. Thank <laughs> you. And uh, I had a study hall with him and it was me and my buddy Kevin and my buddy Chris. We used to, you know, act up in study hall because what else is there to do if you're not an academic 
moderately inclined student, except for screw around and act like an idiot and, you know, <laughs> sit with the girls and, you know, talk to the girls and stuff. And, yeah, uh, hell yeah. This teacher, funny? Uh, pop the class? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Pop the yeah. class, you know? I was a goon. I was so, like, just loved attention. Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Look where I ended up. But uh, <laughs> I uh, he used to tell us all the time, this was... Right in 1991, there was a prison riot called at Lucasville Prison that was pretty famous. Uh, they killed a couple cops. They took over for a while, and it was just a big thing in town, Lucasville. And he used to hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, it rules. And then so he used to tell me and Kevin and Chris that we were going to end up in Lucasville Prison. Like when you get out of school, you're not getting a job. <laughs> you're going to Lucasville, which is already kind of like, come on, dude, don't tell a fucking teenager that. And secondly, it yeah. was even worse because I was like, that's fucking so cool, man. This guy thinks I'm gonna end up in prison. <laughs> like, this guy thinks I'm bad. He thinks I'm tough as hell. <laughs> yeah, this guy is so scared of me right now. <laughs> He did. He's like, man. He probably thinks in the back of his head that I could bang his wife. You know what I'm saying? That's a good feeling. <laughs> this guy, this young guy man. knows how badass <laughs> I am. So anyway, at the end of the year, he even went at the he went to uh, in my yearbook. He drew bars over our pictures in my yearbook because I asked him to sign it, being a smart Alec. <laughs> of course, I was like, sign my yearbook, fucking Mister Schwinderman, and he signed. He drew bars over my picture. Whatever, I. I mean, that still was like, that's really cool. Yeah, you're going to end up on a motorcycle someday, <laughs> young man. <laughs> you're going to end up. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it, like, you know, you mentioned, Brian, you mentioned the word Orwellian earlier, trying to sound all smart and shit, right? which was a bit, obviously. It was funny as hell, but but you, you did that like 10 minutes ago. I don't know if you remember, but I kind of do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, because you were talking about 90, 1984 and the two minutes of eight. <clears throat> That that word like semi triggered me, dude. Because uh, I told you guys I did a year uh, of that writing program, you know, that intensive writing program, and then merged into the theater. Well, that first year I had written a paper in my expository class that included the word Orwellian in it. And instead of the teacher approaching me and asking me like, I don't know, patting me on the back and being like, "Hey, nice use of vocab" or something like that. No, nah, man, I got into third period and I was I immediately was sent to the front office. And I get there, and the, and the principal's just like, well, your teacher sent you here because, you know, uh, she thinks you might be plagiarizing. Oh. I was like, plagiarizing based on what? I cer- Yeah, I certainly wasn't. And she was like, oh, well, you, well, she said you used the word. He goes, uh, define the word Orwellian for me, and then I just define it for him. Super patronizing, right? And, like, uh, and, then, and then he goes, yeah, well, the dispute was, you know, you used that in a paper, and, it, and uh, she didn't think that it was something that was at your level. And it's just like... If it had been, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Jordan Hill or something that had turned that in instead of, Jordan. you know, uh, whatever my very Spanish multiple last names are. I don't I don't know if that would have been the same result. That, you know? Well, this teacher one day. So every once in a while, bells would go off in the class because this dumb idiot school, you know. So when you went to the office for disciplinary problems, you had there was this row of chairs, like six chairs. And those chairs were right next to the microphone and the bell that you could, if you wanted to, 
like you could make the bell ring. Yeah, no, no, those are popping. Those are popping, and people people would pass by and they would see you about to go into the into, into the principal's office like a bet. It's a Brian. It seems like you were all about just being a badass mf'er. You know what I'm saying? I was just a bad dude. I was just a. I was so dumb, and like all I wanted to do was be bad. Like from the first time I learned that bad <laughs> kids are popular. I wanted to be a bad kid. <laughs> it was my only way, dude. I was 110 pounds. My last name is Quinby. Uh, I just didn't have fucking anything going for me except for like, I'm a kind of funny guy and I was willing to be bad. <laughs> and, um, so this teacher, That's so, it. somebody That's tripped it. the bell on like whatever they did. You know what I mean? Like somebody hit the bell. Everybody knew the bell wasn't yeah. ringing. But I, because I was a dumbass, thought it would be funny if I got up and pretended to run out the door. <laughs> so I got up and I was like, oh, that's shit, you can't that's take it back. That's a great bit. That's a great bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, you can't take it back now. And I took off running. And this dude tackled me and slammed me up against the floor and said, go back to your seat, you little piss ant. And I'm like, if he had a gun, he yeah. would have just taken now, it now out of me. Now imagine if he had a gun. <laughs> yeah. He would have shot me in the damn kneecap for that. <laughs> you yeah, no, bad... you'd be missing your patella from day one. It's so weird to me that like, like I was so like I don't. It's so weird that I don't talk to enough to a lot of people who were like specifically trying to be bad kids because like most people were like a victim of either shitty teachers that were just mean or racist or like. I was just like, I was a middle-class kid that was just like, I just want to be the worst. Like, I hate authority, and I just want to fucking be bad. And I still, like, my friends were all like that. So when I graduated high school, I was absolutely convinced that basically 90% of the world was that. And now I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this is why we can't get a revolution. Not enough bad kids turned left. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. What year do you graduate? Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Okay, so like, were there? Were at that point? Were there um, um, dudes with like um, what's it called like corn t-shirts, Maryland like a, a, yeah. an assortment of like Marilyn Manson wrestling shirts, like ICP stuff. You know what I mean? Was oh, was wow. that guy present already? Yeah, and and like, I, I basically wore corn, or uh, I basically wore like corn shirts or a flannel and boots or a fear factory t-shirt i wore a lot of metal band t-shirts and uh or like a wu-tang clan t-shirt was always like one that i like to have in my in my arsenal oh, that's culture. that always gives you high five <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, always, every single time but i got out of school i believe the year before columbine like so there we didn't do any drills there was not any gun worry at all at my school there was a cop there but he was really just there to bust us for smoking in the parking lot you know he was there to make sure that nobody yeah, was yeah. smoking cigarettes on school property and or like skipping and then he didn't even really do that well because i skipped school all the time so like i i don't know i went at a different time where i think like now if you if you signed up for the life that I was trying to live when I was in high school, plus being a white dude, like I was looked at as mischievous. I wasn't looked at as a fucking criminal, even though 
all I wanted to be was a criminal. <laughs> you know, that's the that is a real difference, though, right? Like, if I was a black kid, I would have been. I probably would have gone to jail. I know for a fact I would have gone to jail because on like the last day of ninth grade, we all decided to skip, and we went to this guy's house whose mom was a teacher, and we stole all of his mom's cigarettes. She had like two cartons and I think we stole some <laughs> other stuff and we left and we came back to school and they were like, yeah. you burglarized this house. And we were like, oh, we was just messing around. And they were like, well, don't, you know, don't get into that stuff anymore. That's you're heading down a bad path. And then they sent us home for the summer. So like, imagine anybody else in the whole world doing that. <laughs> That's burglary. That's funny. No, but you have it. Yo, you're totally right because, like, rolling with white people is the best, dude. Like, one time I was out in St. Cloud, and St. Cloud is on the rural, very Trump, very Confederate flag-waving outskirts of Orlando where I grew up. And we would go out egging, right? But our whole policy was we were very, like, progressive. We're, like, we, we would do drive-by egging. we just drive it. We threw all these, like, uh, faceless subdivisions that comprises Central Florida and just um, completely wreck like beamers and you know shit like that's that. That's amazing. Eggs, right? I had we had I had the same exact policy. Like we felt we were like trying to like put our finger on the scales of justice, <laughs> and for people that got away with too much or had too much nice shit, like they had to suffer. <laughs> yeah, and if someone had a boat, yo, that boat was getting firebombed. Like the thing is, we we would end up buying like these massive cartons like everyone was thrown in five like we were buying a sack of weed or whatever and everyone would then we'd buy those massive cases of eggs at walmart like at three in the morning or whatever and then the and then the cashier always had some snarky comment to make and then we would always very somberly respond with like the church needs a lot of cake made by tomorrow <laughs> and you know we don't we don't really appreciate you know the way that you're approaching the situation we're actually thankful you know to the lord that we have these eggs <laughs> um, which then we would promptly throw like but the thing is, it got out of hand, and then, like, we started throwing the eggs in oncoming cars, and, you know, and uh, and then we would just do this thing where, like, three or four cars would be involved, and we'd just be crisscrossing, throwing eggs both at each other. And long story short, we got we got stopped, but I was with all white people, and the entire car was littered with broken eggs, like, cartons of eggs, <laughs> like, eggs otherwise, and, and, and not in any edible condition. The cops asked them, like, Hey, what are you boys doing with all these eggs? <laughs> and then uh, my buddy uh, Michael, um, he goes, um, he's a white guy, he's from Alabama. He goes, um, oh, we were just uh, playing a prank on my buddy. You know, we were just egging his car up. You know, you know how it is. And the cops just got a real laugh out of it. And they're, and they're just like, all right, man, what, where, where'd you do it? And then he goes, oh, out, out in the manor and out there that you know in the St. Cloud lingo, that means out in the country, out in another county, in other words. And uh, <clears throat> they go, you said you sure in the manor? And then he goes, yeah, I'm sure he goes, well, that's out of our jurisdiction. You boys have a safe night. Quit throwing eggs all over the goddamn place. And then they just left, and that was it. And I was just like, yo, white privilege is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, that's a good time. Yeah, my uh, my dad actually cussed the police out up and down when they came to my house because we had got yeah. busted for um, toilet paper in somebody's house. And they had claimed that some toilet paper had clogged up their their the the filter that in their swimming pool. Liars. And they wanted us to come and pay for their swimming pool. And my dad ended up just saying, he said, he said, what do you do? You said you're out here bothering people about 
toilet paper in houses? He said, why don't you go down to, to Uzi Alley and do some police work? <laughs> he, said that, he said he was just like this. He's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, you know, the, the biggest crime you put up with is a stolen vacuum cleaner out here. And you have the nerve to come to my house. And the guy ended up leaving. He's like, I'm not going to cooperate with uh, with you in any way at all. And I had actually, what had happened is I knew the cops were on the way and I wrote a note to my dad to say, hey, the cops are going to probably show up. They showed up to my buddy's house. Um, I'm the last person on the list, so they'll probably be there. And my dad, the, the cops, my dad said that he knew that the cop was coming because there was a note. And then my the cop said, well, you said your son left a note. Could I see it? And my dad said no and ate the note. <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah your dad sounds like a pro wrestler dog <laughs> he's he he's he is very uh much he hates the police like from a personal point of view from like uh the police whooped his ass and dude, like, white people that hate the police fucking rule dude you guys are the best like white people that are like you know what i'm saying down with the cause and hate and like hate the police like you guys are like almighty beings you know what i'm saying because you could talk you could talk cash shit to the cops and, like, you're not going to catch a hot one to the forehead like I am. You know what I'm saying? It's so, like, God bless you people. It yeah, is, it's a privilege. I, w- I really want you to have that privilege, though, Stoke. I really want you to go out there and scream in a cop's face <laughs> about how stupid you think he is. Yeah, I mean, I told a bunch of cops they were the bad guys at the inauguration this year. Just walked by him. I was like, how does it feel to be the bad guys? And it's just like, they just look at me like, if I arrest him, then somebody's going to give me problems. <laughs> like, there's going to be problems. If I, I look like a dad. I look straight up like a normal dad. I wear uh, my jeans might look a little nicer or whatever, but I basically just wear like a t-shirt and jeans everywhere. I don't have any tattoos. So my life is generally pretty easy. I think I've told the story to you before. I got in a wreck one time. I'm mm-hmm. um, at a four way mm-hmm. stop. And I hear a cop siren and I'm waiting at a light and I'm like, what the fuck? Why aren't the, I had the radio up real loud listening to action Bronson. As a matter of fact, I will never forget what I was listening to. I'm a huge fan. So I have it turned all the way up and my sister's in the car. I just hit a bowl and I'm like, why isn't anybody fucking going? Because the light turned green and nobody was going. So I was like, well, fuck it, I'll go. Because I was like turning against traffic. Fuck it, I'll go. So I went and when I got around the corner, it was because nobody was going because there was a cop coming and he had his sirens on. He was coming up the wrong side of the street. And I almost head on hit this fucking cop with their lights on going to an emergency and instead i steered out of the way and totaled my car on the sign of a chinese food restaurant and uh so the cops show up and like the cop was like oh we were responding sorry the guy comes back up to me after you know i filled out my paperwork and stuff and hid my bowl and he comes up to me and he's like is there anything we can do like get your car towed for you or anything you know uh uh, I'm really sorry we were responding God, to a robbery. Uh, didn't it didn't see like anything. Straight up dank in there too. <laughs> well, and I had eaten an edible before I left the house, so the whole time I'm standing there, it's just going further and further up. I'm like ratcheting it up, my <laughs> highness up. The whole time I'm talking to these guys, my eyes are probably red as fuck, and they're apologizing to me. 
They're like, oh, God, I hate it when I have to go on the wrong side of the road. You know, that was an inconvenience for you, and I'm sorry about your car. We'll get it towed for you. You want me to drop you off at home? And I was just like, God damn, this can't be real. (laughs) Is this how they would treat anybody else? Well, hey, Stoke. I've seen those examples, like, uh, and uh, yeah, man, I agree with you. It's fire. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brad. Go ahead. No, it's cool. Well, I was just we got to take a break because we have been going for two hours, but I wanted to get you on because oh, I love you. And uh, thanks, man. Keep us out of trouble. God, keep your tweets good. All yeah. right? Keep the tweets tight. Yeah. Uh, don't follow Stone. I'll, I'll if do... you're a Street Fight listener, don't follow Stone. Because yeah. then you're going to have to come to yeah, us don't and bother. say, why do you have him on this show? I love you, though. You're, you're a, you I'm a huge fan, and I you're always you welcome. You're always welcome on this show. We love you. But if you follow him, you might get offended. That's it. He's a sweetie, though. He's really a sweet guy at heart. Yeah. So just you remember know. that when you get a yeah. We just we it's just we, we we were made a little rough down. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a Florida guy. I'm I, I'm a Florida man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With all the the things that come with that. We have to have rough boys on the air too. It's it's not just a show for nice boys. There's rough boys too. We got rough boys. We got nice boys. Yeah. We got rock and roll boys. We got <laughs> rap boys. We got union boys. We got girl boys. We got all kinds of people on here. Thanks for calling, Stoke. I, we love you. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Hey, man. Thanks. For- we're going to hit our break, man. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm tired. We'll come back and get the rest of these calls out of the way. I think we got the big guy on the line coming up soon. Really? Yep. Hold on, Brett. You got my sound up? I do. All right. I don't. So here we go. <laughs> So bad at that. You're so bad at that. I can fade it out on the board. We're done. The songs are over. Straight Gangsterism by the Ghetto Boys and White on White by Fiddler. Fiddler. I forget what. I wish Fiddler was still around. Whatever happened to those guys? I don't know. I thought they they had a. When was the last album? A few years ago? 15? Something. I love those guys. They were scum bad. Yeah, you saw them live. Yeah, yeah, they were good. They were good. They were the real deal. Let's uh, let's get some calls, man. Let's call it up. Call it up. Get them calls done. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Uh, I just want to say you are calling into the WCRS FM studios in downtown Columbus, Ohio, part of the Free Press and Pacifica Radio Network. I had to get that in there. Uh, How are you doing tonight? Good. Uh, Can you hear me? Sure can. All right. Uh, I'm Eric, uh, calling to you from uh, Brooklyn by way of West Virginia, wild and wonderful. Uh, proud product of the uh, West Virginia public school system. Nice. You're in Brooklyn now? <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn now. You yeah. got tickets for the show. So, here's I it's on a Friday night, right? Yes, it is. I work evenings, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, well, well, we'll call into your work for you if you want us to. They probably wouldn't like you there. I work at a big-ass corporate law firm, pretty evil. <laughs> Bastards. How yeah. dare they? They need you doing law stuff at 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. on a Friday night? Yeah, I work in, like, I'm a proofreader. Ooh. And uh, these the attorneys, I mean, the attorneys work late. They're kind of insane. 
and uh, they expect you know twenty four hour uh, support service basically. Wow, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So how long have you been Pretty doing quick. that? About two years. Okay, okay. Making living the big city. Yeah, I mean, I actually uh, make you know enough enough to pay the Brooklyn rent. I ain't rolling in it or anything. Well, enough to pay the Brooklyn rent is 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 making it. I <laughs> That's think. all you need. From I what mean, we've it's... heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely disappointed. I'm not going to be able to come out to the show because I miss you guys for the same reason when you were here with Chapo, and I've missed some of Chapo's live shows. It really killed me. And like, you know, I've wanted to go to like DSA meetings. Can't go to those because they're all in the evening. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. They don't. They you can't take time off. They don't let you take time, or are you just like I don't have it. I don't have the time off right now. I've used it all. Well, um, I've actually just got out of my you know like ninety day probationary period where you, I couldn't take time off, right? And so, actually, so yeah, I might be able to take that Friday off and come see you guys. Oh, that would be awesome! It's going to be a really fun show. We're gonna we're gonna screw around a lot up there. I it's think. not wrestling theme too. Yeah, it's it's not going to be about wrestling. For people who think that we're just going to go stand on a stage in Brooklyn and do an hour and a half about wrestling, I promise that is not going to happen. We're not that dumb. Yeah, that was kind of a thing afterwards. I kind of was like, oh, shit. And I kind of gulped when all these people were like, is this a wrestling theme show? And I'm like, no, no, it's just a cool poster. We're not like we're not pivoting into like a, a wrestling thing now. You know, we're not going to like rent a ring and try to we're not going to put you through that we don't ever put the fans through us trying to come up with our own wrestling show that might act, honestly for me that might be kind of fun if you yeah. guys wrestle or something i don't well, know <laughs> i mean that's in that's actually in louisiana where we found out that pile drivers are illegal i'm gonna have somebody pile drive oh, yeah. on stage for sure i, I would like to nice. get pile drive they're illegal in the state of louisiana yeah louisiana made pile drivers illegal Imagine that's pretty sweet. Some guy sitting down and being like, "Well, pile driver's a little too dangerous. We can't have people doing that." That's what the government yeah. decides to do. That's what the government spends their time doing: outlawing pile drivers and blood at pro wrestling shows. It's like they they can handle the blood. Yeah, they should get their priorities straight for sure. Um, yes. So I wanted, I did want to take this at least this opportunity. I had like some scattered thoughts about the West Virginia, you know, teacher strike. But I guess I just should take the opportunity to, like, shit on the state Democratic Party, which the West Virginia Democratic Party is, like, maybe the most ineffective political organization or institution outside of the National Democratic Party. Like, they had control of that state for 80 years and did nothing to diversify the economy or help help the workers. It got to the point where people couldn't even distinguish between Democrats and Republicans. And so, you know, during the Obama administration, Republicans were just able to, like, leverage the, you know, so-called war on coal and Obama's environmental regulations and, uh, you know, get control of the state for the first time in 80 years. And the first thing they did was pass the right to work, repeal the prevailing wage, um, cut, like, the severance taxes for the coal mine severance taxes, um, you know, typical Republican nonsense. Uh, ghoulish and it's just yeah it's just a it's just like an absolute tragedy but definitely inspired to see the teachers out there uh, making me proud 
for the first time in a while of <laughs> my own state. It's nice to see. It sure. is. It, it's really cool what's happening down down in West Virginia because it just. I think we said this earlier on the show, but like people just think that there's no radical leftist spirit left in this country except for in like New York and LA and Austin and and places like in Massachusetts and stuff and it's like nah it's out there you just have to inspire people people have to be inspired you know yeah and I mean and also it's getting so bad that people don't I mean the teacher you interviewed said as much he said he couldn't afford not to strike you know, I've been looking at some interviews with other teachers, and like, there's some of them are working like three other jobs. It's and still can't survive on what they're getting paid. Uh, it's insane. Yeah, I mean they they are losing uh, they're losing a lot of the gains that they had gain that they had. Uh, you know, now that this this Republican sweep of Republican government has come through, they just go after all of this, and it's. Uh, it's fine. It's got to the point where they said enough. I don't think it's inspiration. It's just like, it's to the point of saying like, no, you're not going to do that. Like we, we just have had enough finally. Um, but you have to be pushed to that breaking point. And a lot of people are, you know, would rather have their heads in the sand than, uh, than look at, you know, where the rest of our, us are at with our labor contracts, you know, and our wages and all that stuff and what we get uh -huh. from our jobs. And, you know, like when Republicans were passing uh, right to work, you know, they I would see these like sort of like man on the street style interviews, like people you know, asking people about what they thought about it. And unfortunately, a lot of people have the opinion, probably rightly so, of like, you know, look, I'm a union member or maybe my father was a union member. I've voted Democratic my whole life or whatever. But they had this feeling of like, well, what have the Democrats done for me lately? What's the union done for me lately? Because the union man, the union leadership often is just interested in being cozy with management and keeping the relationship peaceful. Yeah, um, continuing so they're not drawing a paycheck themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's about all I had to say. Well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Um, did you, you felt, um, did you, you said you felt the, uh, did you get a satisfactory education from, from West Virginia uh, public school system? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that was another thing that I crossed my mind. Like, growing up, like, the adults around me, there was definitely this sort of, like, universal sentiment that, like, the teachers were idiots and, like, Rick County public education's awful. And I sort of internalized that. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, my teachers are idiots. But then, like, recently, like, I was actually thinking about it. Like, all of my teachers, I couldn't think of that many bad teachers I had. There were a few stinkers, sure, and they taught driver's ed. But, like, for the most part, my <laughs> teachers were great. Is know? driver's ed, like, and real teachers there, though? Because in, in Ohio, driver's ed, I don't think it's real teachers. It's people who run a driver's ed no. business, right? No. The high school had driver's ed, and these were actual teachers, yeah. That's cool. We didn't um, have that. We had to we had to spend, like, a few hundred dollars on, like, a private course. Right, yeah. We had it in school, which is nice. But anyway, yeah, my teachers were great, <laughs> you know? Um, so that it's, but, and yet you guys were talking about very early in the show, you know, conservatives deciding who deserves what, and they have this idea about the teachers that they're not doing any work. They yeah. Go, oh, well, you, they get, they get, well, they get the summers off. And so, you know, why do we need to pay them? <laughs> that, that's the craziest thing. It's like, 
I mean, they have to be, they have to know that they're doing work because their bad kids go there all day, every day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for calling in. We appreciate um, it. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. I just want to shout out the Charleston Gazette Mail, the newspaper, the local newspaper in Charleston, West Virginia, because, you know, the national media was very slow to pick up the story. There's really great reporters at that newspaper, and unfortunately, it's in the process of going bankrupt. But in particular, two reporters, Ken Ward Jr. and uh, Jake Jarvis. You can follow him on Twitter if you want to follow, um, you know, what's happening in West Virginia. Yeah, how do you spell those? Uh, Ken Ward Jr., K-E-N-W-A-R-D-J-R, Jake Jarvis, Jake, then uh, J-I-S. Jake Jarvis, all right, cool. And that's their ats on Twitters yeah. as well? Twitters. I think Jake is a newsroom Jake, but then Ken is just his name. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it and uh, hope to see you at the end of March. Start working on that now. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. <laughs> I'm going to get to it tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Thanks for uh, taking the call, guys. Thank no you. problem. Have a good one. Let's see who is up next. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hey, it's Rathom Angelo. What's up, Rathamangelo? How are you? Uh, I could be better, um, but better now. Uh, just speaking of uh, wage theft, and just finished working half a day unpaid overtime just because uh, specs aren't going to write themselves. But um, now I'm home. I'm on top of Kratom Vapors, and uh, I just finished rolling up a nice little J. So, and I'm talking to my uh, to my favorite podcast boys. Good job. So you're killing it. I mean, you got a lot on your plate, but it seems like you're keeping it all together. Uh, you just got to make sure to have spend enough time for yourself, which hasn't hasn't worked out so well the, this past week. But you know, just keeping it together. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to let's see what else have you guys been talking about tonight. You talked about guns for a little bit um, as a uh, Texan and firearm owner, I guess we can <laughs> uh, say that, like, yeah, the only reason why people have them is uh, either they essentially lie to themselves that, oh, I'm just going to uh, shoot some, who, some person who comes into my house, but definitely not, like, my uh, children by accident or anything like that. Um, but really all we want to do is, uh, like, run around in the woods and shoot trees or like pumpkins well yeah i mean that's fine with me too is if you say i'm gonna go running around in the woods and shoot trees and pumpkins and stuff it's the people that are like chomping at the bit to kill somebody are the ones that i worry about because they're always like i saw so many stories this week about guys on facebook who posted how like you know i'm really responsible with my gun and you know it's not fair that they're trying to take my gun away from me and then the next screenshot would be a picture of an article with their face on it saying he was waving his gun outside of a school or something. And I saw that story over and over again last week. And I'm like, a lot of these people really just want to kill somebody. They say they don't. They're like, God forbid I ever have to use this gun. Well, why do you have the gun? In case somebody comes in my house, I will kill them. I will shoot them once in each leg, once in each arm, and then in their chest so that they have to suffer is what I would actually do. Really, to uh, uh, aid murder. Yeah, it's a murder gun. 
But, uh, yeah, and so it's, uh, man, like, I even have a concealed carry license, but I've never, <laughs> like, I, I got it because my my dad had one, and we go hunting, so I, I, I uh, I'll hunt, hunt doves, but uh, I, it, was a, it was a weird time in my life, um, but I have always been just fucking terrified of the the thought of the responsibility of just having a pistol on me while I'm like doing my daily thing. That seems insane. That doesn't, uh, that, I'm with you on that. It's like somebody said, like, how are you going to protect yourself? How are you going to protect the public if you don't have a gun? And I was like, I don't want that kind of responsibility, man. I don't like, that's like when, when you're on an airplane and they're like, is there a doctor here? I'm like, that's why I didn't become a doctor, man. Because if I'm on an airplane and I'm going somewhere, I don't want to have to go to work. I'm too lazy. I don't want to do no doctoring on this airplane. <laughs> oh, precisely. Um, this is why we're yeah, not doctors or uh, <laughs> gun holders, regulators, or whatever they call the people with the guns. Regulate the oath keepers. <laughs> oath keepers, yes. This is why we're not three percenters. We're not cut out for it. We don't feel like it. So you're just like, I'm not going to carry my gun because if somebody comes out with a gun, I don't know how I'm going to react. It might not be my best moment. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out they're, um, like, pistols especially really difficult to shoot accurately. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Oh, God, that thing like, is wild, yeah. Freaking out because, uh, because, holy shit, there's bullets flying. Like, come on, be real. <laughs> yeah. When you take your gun test, you should have, there should be a person standing next to you, like taking pot shots at you while you're shooting at the target just to be like, see, see, it ain't that easy, is it? It isn't that easy. But I mean, what do you need to carry it for with, I mean, can, can you keep it in your car if you don't have a concealed carry permit? In Texas, you can. Oh God, in Texas, you can, you can sew it to your head if you want to. You can put on you can, a helmet you can with a gun on. carry now without a license too. So you can. You've always been able to just walk around with a a long gun, just open, so a shotgun or a rifle. But they recently um, made it legal to open carry pistol. My open. So what does that mean? Have it prominently displayed? Yeah. Yeah, it's just on your hip. Because with the concealed carry license, I legally have to have it hidden. Like if I if I. Yeah, before then, if you if you had it Got shown, it. that was a that was like a, a firearms infraction. I Some get... dingus that thinks they look like a cowboy with those stupid like <laughs> they put the two guns on their hip. Oh, finally, I can wear my gun belt. The crossed belts. <laughs> finally, I can wear my two gun belts out in public and my spurs. I guess that's not so weird in Texas. They probably do probably are a decent amount of guys wearing spurs there. <laughs> Depends on where you are. Yeah, yeah, you're probably in a... Where are you at in Texas? You in a hipper part of Texas? I'm in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is a little different. Dallas is where all the J.R. Ewings live. Like, Dallas is where guys in white suits with white cowboy hats live. You know, and they're like, well, yeah, counting their money. Yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, they're counting their money and they drive like a Cadillac with bullhorns on the front of it. Or steer horns on the front of it. That's Dallas. We're talking about the middle of Texas where the cowboys live. That's It's actually closer. That's more Fort Worth. That's where the rhinestone cowboys are at. I love rhinestone. I, I would be a rhinestone cowboy if I had grown up in Texas. I just can't get away with it in Columbus, you know? 
People are like, what are you, a Columbus cowboy? Well, you've never even seen a cow. And that's true. I have never, like, touched a cow. Unless it was a steak and I was eating it or something. But I've never actually touched the fur of a cow in my life. So we got out to Texas. Surprisingly large animals. Yeah. I, I was standing next to one when we were at a gas station in Texas. And I was like, well, these are big boys. Probably like 10 steaks standing there, probably. That's how I measure them, I guess. Well, they weigh like 400 pounds a cow? No, buddy. Probably six or eight, at least. That's a heavy animal. I wouldn't mess with a cow. You wouldn't? Nope. You wouldn't take one head on? Step on my toe or something like that. Oh, yeah, that hoof. Clip clip your pinky toe off. You think it could? It probably could. Well, if I wasn't wearing my boots. This is why I wear boots. In case I run up against a cow sometime out in public. It could happen. There you go. That's why you need that steel toe. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, Wrath from Angelo. As, hey, uh, real quick. Um, I got to support Brett's um, bath suggestion. You definitely got to shower first and then just soak and relax. It's the way the Japanese do it. They've uh, been doing it for a long time. And it's it's definitely the way to go. If Thank you. If you're going to... Do a bath. I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it when people call in and agree with Brett. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it until we were talking it through, and then I was like, oh, wait a second. You could just clean yourself first, and then you could enjoy it without. Because I was, like, hanging out in some gross water. I was like, is this supposed to be enjoyable? Like, this is like hanging out in the dishwater. I feel like I'm about to touch yeah, an egg you know. noodle if I put my <laughs> if I put my hands below the water surface. <laughs> ah, you are nuts. That is gross, though. I would feel pretty gross, like, laying there with my grime yeah. like, floating up. Sometimes I smell my pits yep. before I get in the shower. I'm like, what the fuck are you it's doing absurd. out in public like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for calling, man. We're gonna get these. We're gonna get next. We're gonna get these calls. Love you guys. I just said that. Like, we're gonna get these calls, man. We better get them. Get them. Get em. these calls. Scoop them. Yeah, get through these calls. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? What's up, fellas? This is Steven from San Francisco. What's up, Steven? How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys about some labor organizing. Is that a, a good topic tonight? To That's a about? very good topic. That's how the show started. Let's get some labor organizing talk in here. Yeah, I've been listening. I was trying to make like a funny joke because it was like that's all we're talking about. I didn't hear you there. You got to talk into yeah, the yeah. Uh, the receiver there. Uh, sorry, man. Yeah, I was. I was saying I was. I was trying to make like a like a joke because I was listening and it was like everybody was talking about organizing. Oh yeah, uh, this is <laughs> this is an organizing show. That's what it is, man. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, I was saying I saw you guys retweeted the thing about uh, the action we did the other day. Um, it was about the Lenetics Union. And uh, and the firing situation. So I don't know how many of your listeners are aware of this, but um, I'm a software engineer here in San Francisco, and I'm a member of DSA in San Francisco. And um, there was this pretty interesting situation that unfolded in the past couple months where there's this company called Lenetics, and they are a software startup here. And uh, their engineers unionized which is pretty unprecedented, you know, for software engineers for a lot of reasons. Um, and I kind of, I met 
some of these folks at this company and kind of heard some of the background that went into it. And, um, you know, some of their issues were paid time off and salary transparency. And then I think towards the end, one of the things that really accelerated it was one of their colleagues, you know, who had kind of was very popular and who had kind of negotiated with management around. Oh, that was me. That was guys. my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was a, um, it was a noise from my stupid computer. <laughs> okay. Um, anyhow, um, so management, anyhow, I heard that they, they fired this kind of popular engineer, and then that really kind of supposedly pissed people off. So the, the, the engineers voted to unionize, and then the company just mass laid everybody off, just fired everybody, um, which, you know, as a lot of you – you know, listeners probably know that's illegal, you know, to retaliatory, you know, fire folks for unionizing. How many people so are we talking? So I think at the end, it was like 16 people all at once okay. in one day got got fired. Um, and this was after they had been, um, you know, all signed the cards. They were with CWA, Communication Workers of America. Um, so, yeah, it was a crazy thing. I mean, both the fact that software engineers were unionizing, you know, because I'm, I'm in this, you know, doing the same kind of thing as these people do. And I'm out there at my job trying to like agitate in different ways. And engineers just typically don't have that mindset. You know, they don't think of themselves as workers. They don't think of themselves, they think of themselves as different. You know, they don't see themselves as part of any kind of labor movement or struggle they think they're kind of like entrepreneurs or like something totally different well yeah and a lot of it is independent and it is um it's skill-based as well uh which means you can usually get paid very well uh which is one reason that people tend to not worry about you know workplace conditions it's like if you're getting paid enough for it you'll put up with anything yeah absolutely and and we do you know software engineers are highly paid you know for sure and then there's all these other perks that you know, people think are like super amazing. Like we have a pool table and it's like, Oh, holy shit. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I like joke, like the attitude of our bosses are so generous that they, they allow us to stay in the office all night and play pool. You know, like this is so great. They're so good to us. Like we can just stay at work, you know, until, until midnight playing pool. I got they, fooled by like that. So I got fooled by that once. I was like working in this place and I looked over and they had a pinball machine and a pool table. I told Brett, like, this place is cool as hell, man. They got a pinball machine and a pool table. He's like, yeah, because they're at work all the damn time. And I was like, ah, you got a point yep. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our ping pong club, like, was one of our highest sales teams, like, when I worked at this job. And they were basically the guys that worked an extra two to three hours a night and, like, yep. taking breaks. Uh, to play a, game, a round or two of ping pong when they were nodding off or just couldn't handle any more calls. And it was like, I just don't want that at all. You know, that's what I like to right. keep all that stuff separate. Like my leisure time yeah. isn't to be involved with work. Yeah, and then they encourage you, especially at a startup, it's like, oh, we're a family, right? We're a family and everybody's like, let's be tight-knit and let's hang out. And it's like, oh, I want to hang out, you know, outside of work. And then, yeah, you're seeing you know, you're seeing people like, for forty and fifty, sixty hours a week, and it's like I have had enough of you. You know, yeah, bring yeah, your A game like to you, work. Man. Yeah, we can yeah. we can we can we can have a good time at work, but I don't need more of you. 
For sure. And then, you know, the thing with startups, too, is like you have these stock options that they give you this vesting schedule where it's like, well, if you work here for four years, then you have the option to buy stock that maybe is going to be worth. It's like now it's worthless, but it's this it's a lottery ticket, basically. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Right. So it's this idea. uh, It's this anti-solidarity idea that like I'm going to I have this ticket that I hope is going to I want to believe that it's one day going to make me rich. And so because I want to believe that, I'm going to stay in this job. And it makes you not want to quit because then you're throwing away your ticket, even though that ticket right now is worthless. But it's like, oh, this is I'm going to strike it rich with this ticket. So I'm just going to keep staying the boss's good graces because we're all on the same team here. We're all just like the same thing's going to make us all rich, even though like if it's a lottery ticket, it's probably you're not going to win the lottery. But like it works on people. Uh, so it was super cool to hear about this and then super messed up. They all got fired. The cool thing is that there's an organization called Tech Workers Coalition, which is, you know, made up of people that are tech workers but are trying to get organized, and then CSA that I'm involved with. And so we put together a protest on Friday morning, and we showed up to Linetics, uh, this company's office, and we had a really good action. And um, it was really good energy. I actually brought out my drum machine. I, I make, like, electronic music and uh, played beats. Uh, we had some speakers, and uh, we were chanting, you know, and it was just, like, really good energy. And we all, you know, everybody was talking about what's going on in West Virginia. And I actually worked kind of all week kind of, like, DMing people in my office and trying to get – and these are not people, you know, like I was saying, who, who care about this kind of thing. But I actually turned out, like, five of my coworkers at 8.30 in the morning to this thing. And I was super pumped about it because – you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, but, yeah, these folks came out, and, like, people are talking. You know, even the folks who didn't show up, people in my office are talking about unions and, like, what does that mean? And, and these people, I, I don't think some of these folks have ever gone to an action before, and they were out there, like, doing these chants. Uh, that's really so, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's all it took was asking or putting it out there. It, can I ask yeah, you? Yeah, Can I ask you, is it is the reason maybe that uh, – they're not unionizing because it's such a competitive field, do you think? Because, like, it's something that, like, we always, I know we, we talk about wrestling a lot on here and, and how they're a, a, one of the only kind of sports, rest, fighting, wrestling, UFC, any kind of fighting is not unionized because everybody's competing with each other. So, like, it's hard to build solidarity because everybody thinks that they're going to be on top and they're going to make it. And they don't want to work with everybody else because they're trying to get above the next person. Is that kind of the the way it's working out there? Because that that's what it sounds like to me. Like it sounds like a lot of people that are kind of I don't know out to do the best for themselves and maybe not the best for society at large or or all the yeah. other workers. There is a little bit of that for sure. I mean, the idea that everybody's kind of out for themselves that. Even if they don't think of it that way, you know, there's this kind of tech libertarianism for sure that's a little bit ingrained. But I think there's just this sense, if you ask people, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of software engineers would just be like, why would we need a union? Like, the idea that that's, you know, again, it comes down to they're well-paid and they have good perks. So the idea that these other types of exploitation that go on in terms of, like, you're on call you know, and you have to, like, respond to things at all hours, or you're expected to stay in the office really late, or you're expected to, like, learn new stuff constantly on your own time, 
or you know, or like women are getting paid less. There's discrimination and all kinds of things that you could potentially solve through solidarity. Those aren't the idea that we could you know solve problems for ourselves through collective action is not something that occurs, I think, to folks because they're just not used to thinking that way because folks tend to think my bosses and me, like we're all in this together. They don't see a kind of conflict between management and the workers. Like I was explaining to one of my colleagues this situation at Linetics and trying to explain how this happened. And it was really fascinating to me because he was just like kind of shocked. He was like, I don't get it. Why would they do that? Why would they fire the workers after they unionized? It doesn't make sense. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it makes that's perfect the world. sense, man. Like, yeah. yeah. That's how like, it actually how works. It, that's, Right. But he was like, why would they just do a mean thing like that and just fire their, their workers? Like, because he doesn't see that kind of conflict. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was actually really interesting because I learned, you know, from this Twitter thread, actually, I think it was in response to one of those tweets about this action. It was really fascinating to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm taking this at this guy's word. I don't know who this guy is that tweeted this, but... It, it was this really fascinating thread where this guy was saying how the teachers in West Virginia right now are wearing the red bandanas, right? I don't know if you've heard about this. And that kind of harkens back to the coal miners um, who, who went on strike, you know, in, in West Virginia. And teachers historically had to struggle to be seen as workers, right? You know, the idea of the platonic worker, because teachers are professionals. And so they weren't seen as, like, really a worker, you know, and so, but it turns out that before them, the coal miners uh, historically weren't seen as legitimate workers either because supposedly, like, they owned their own tools and they got paid by the ton, he's saying, instead of by the hour, and as opposed to sailors. So sailors were, like, the true platonic ideal of the worker before coal miners. So coal miners had to justify themselves for being workers, and then later teachers did. And so now you have these software engineers, and they're like, well, you know, they don't see themselves as workers either. And I think what, you know, hopefully, or this Linetics thing is encouraging because you see software engineers, a few of them anyway, starting to see, you know, we are in some sense, and it's not to say that they're exactly the same, right? Um, obviously, the material conditions of a software engineer are very different from a teacher or a janitor, right? Software engineers are highly paid. We do have good benefits, and that's great. But, like, there are still conditions that we can address through collective action. And I think also by getting these engineers to realize that we have this thing in common, you know, like, the bosses are going to treat you, they're going to dispose of you the same way when, when, it's your, when your time is up, you know. And so by getting them to see that, like, one of the things Tech Workers Coalition did last year was stand with the cafeteria workers at Facebook and assist them in their union drive, and they got the cafeteria workers unionized. And so it was the engineers and the tech people, you know, kind of using their position of more power to, to stand up with the cafeteria workers. And it takes, I think, them realizing, hey, like, we have this thing in common. We don't, we all have to go to work every day and get a paycheck, you know? So yeah. I think that's why it's important. I agree. And I, and I think uh, that, you know, you really set the pace out there. Uh, with what you're doing, uh, people that are trying to start businesses, young entrepreneurs here in Columbus, Ohio, are looking to places like that out there because they want to be millionaires and all of that. So um, to set the set a tone of saying that software engineers are, you know, workers and don't 
shouldn't be required to press themselves beyond the normal limits of a 40 hour work week that we expect um, yeah. people to stick to. And, you know, the world is getting more digital and there's going to, they're focusing on STEM and we're pushing all of these people into these, these fields and the, it's going to bring the prices down, you know, like eventually they'll make yeah. everybody, they'll make everybody code and then they'll make it a $9 an hour job, you know? So if we yeah, don't, if we don't fun. stop now. Yeah, and, and I'll say yeah, this, like, too, is like, uh, like, just because you're well-paid and you have benefits and stuff like that doesn't mean that you can't fight for uh, time off. Time off is a thing. Like, that's a benefit. Yeah. It's something that you should get just like anybody else. Well, something that everybody should get. Nobody's really getting it now. <laughs> but you should get time off. And that if that's what you have to organize around, that's what I would organize around. Be like, look, how much time do you get off? How long are you working every week? Right. And it doesn't even have to be something that it does, it's not even a matter of constantly fighting or being at odds. It's just a matter of saying everybody else together, um, you know, can can make a decision on how we want this place to, to work. We have a say in this as well, because otherwise you don't, you're just dealing with whatever deal you can get from your boss. For sure. Yeah. And that's a thing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to make that kind of thing happen at my workplace. And that idea, you know, is really kind of foreign, you know, and I, I ask myself sometimes too, I'm like, why, why can't I just enjoy my job and my paycheck like why can't i just be like you know what i have it pretty good just chill out stop getting so pissed off and stop trying to like rile people up at, at work all the time but it's like that's the thing because i don't get a vote you know i don't get a say and that's the thing i think that really ticks me off like i have it pretty good compared to a lot of things but it's like i want to be able to like you know i want to i want to vote in, in how things are done and i don't have that yeah and so i'm like yeah, that's why I'm always trying to get people to be like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, like, could all say we're not going to go to work until things are different? Well, yeah, and I had that issue when I was working at the warehouse. It just seemed every six months they would release some new thing, new metric or new directive or new management or switch it around or something, and, and it would just be a wave of complaints. And every I'd go stop by everybody's station, and they'd just say, like, Oh, they fucked this up for us. They fucked this up for us. They're like this has changed. This is not right. And and uh, really, it just came down to those people had no way to to be involved with the decision making process. It's just all handed down uh, to you, and and you're the one that actually has to do the work. And you're you're receiving orders from from people that um, aren't responsible for it. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Um, was there anything else we need to get in there? Is there any way we can, is there anything you need us to retweet or share or, or send money to or anything? Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, there is one thing. So I um, had, had seen this tweet and I retweeted it. There was um, a woman by the name of Sarah Martinez, who was one of the engineers at Linetics. And she had tweeted that, you know, she was one of the engineers that got fired. And she said, she was having trouble, you know, she's looking for a new job, and she, she hadn't found one yet. So she said she's in Washington, D.C., and so if anybody uh, knows of anything or wants to, you know, signal boost that, um, wanted to help her land on her feet and find a new thing after she got, you know, this illegal firing because they're working their way through this complaint with the Labor Relations Board, but that's probably going to take a long time. So I retweeted that. I'm uh, at Resistor Sings 
on the old Twitter. Um, and yeah, I think her, she was Sarah, Sarah J. Martinez was her name. And, um, yeah, you can take a look at that. Otherwise, take a look into Tech Workers Coalition. I think they're organizing around here in the Bay, in Seattle, and in New York. And if you're in San Francisco, definitely come and say hi to me and my comrade in DSA. Perfect. Well, thanks for calling in, man. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Good talking to you guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Peace. All right. We got one more to go. Somebody came in at the last minute. Well, you got to get that person for sure. <laughs> Squeaker. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Eh, we'll get them both. We got this. Thanks for calling Street Fire Radio. Who are we talking to? Call me musical guest Hannibal Burris because Morpheus drinking a 40 in a death basket. How y'all guys doing? It's the big guy. How's it going, the big guy? We haven't heard from you in three weeks now. You didn't call into the last it's show. It's been so long. And we were gone for so two long. weeks. I've, I'm drinking a, a Steel Reserve 42 tonight. It's a union-made uh, high-gravity lager. I recommend it. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, it good sounded like it was a craft beer. <laughs> a Steel Reserve yeah, 40? Yeah. It's a 42. There's it's two 42, more out. My friend. That stuff is just two made to get you too drunk, big guy. It is. It's here to kill my brain cells. I love it. I'm actually on my second one tonight. Uh, brown bagged and uh, just killing it. Um I was going to talk about dicks and balls, but then your first caller was like, hey, I'm a West Virginia teacher, and I'm on strike. And I was like, shit, this is a serious episode. No, it's not that serious, but yeah, we had some some business on here. We had to do some activism as much as you can do on a podcast. Yeah, do some activism. Sometimes you got... I've got to do some activism myself. Let me me get my activism in. Y'all guys called it a gun belt. It's a bandolier. Ah, gun belt. It's called a bandolier. Um, y'all were talking. Y'all were talking about cows. Can I tell my cow story real quick? Can yeah. I tell my cow story real quick. I had a run with a cow. Uh-oh. Um, a cow kicked my ass one time. What? How do you? Uh, cows are cowards. That's part of their name. Coward. No, this cow. I thought, hey, you know what? I'm like, hey, cows are cowards. You know, this cow's causing a ruckus. I'm going to go stand in front of this cow and, and make this cow back down. Well, guess what the cow did? The cow said, fuck you, Cole, uh, uh, fuck you, big guy, and uh, jumped up, shouldered me, knocked me to the ground. And uh, I, got, I basically got tackled by a, a, a very pissed-off cattle. It was very bad. It hurt. should have punched <laughs> that damn cow. Did you punch it? Did you give it a little bit back? Did you make there your regret tackling? There was nothing to give you? back. This cow jumped three feet off the ground and threw its shoulder into me. I can't. There was nothing I was supposed. Nothing I could have done to this cow. That cow's this never going to respect you now, big guy. You will never oh, be respected. Okay, okay. So the big guy, the big guy gets his ass kicked by a six thousand pound cattle. And now you can't respect the big guy? I mean, I no. respect okay. you. The cow's not going to respect you, though. Look, look, there's something the cat, there's something that cow knows not to deal with. And that's me whenever I've got that cold, hard steel in my hand. 
and uh, steel reserve or a gun? <laughs> a gun. I'm talking about. A, uh, hey, hey. That cattle sees me walking out, and I've got an empty steel reserve in my hand. That cattle knows not to deal with me. <laughs> but uh, are you? So you got you roll with guns? Uh, I roll with guns. Uh, I gotta say, as a mental health patient, I don't appreciate the uh, often ableist language used uh, in gun control talks these days. Um, I don't appreciate the. Uh, attempts to de-arm minorities. Um, I'm not saying that I'm going to go post up against a cop with a gun, but there are lots of people who need that, uh, you know, that, that brat brat when the, when the popo come up, you know what I'm saying? So you're the best. Hey, don't fuck with gun control. Hey, I, I got real, I listened to Gwen's show and I got kind of mad. She's thirteen. Um, oh, you haven't heard our anti- you haven't heard our gun control show yet. I, I listened to Gwen's show. Oh, you guys got another show? Oh. No, yeah, I got the basement but, one from last well, week. Let coming. me just explain something. I am not pro gun control, so you're not going to get too much of it out of me. Well, I'm sure we said some stuff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Up. I'm not trying to get on here. I'm not trying to get on here and yell and be like, "You guys are." Statist fucks and y'all get the bull. I'm not. I'm not coming on here to say that, but I do want to say you do. Hey, hold on, big only, guy, big guy. You just want to refute some arguments made by a 13 year old girl. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I just want to refute some arguments made by a 13 year old girl, and that's uh, gun control is only ever used to uh, hurt people of color, and uh, uh, so. You know, be careful. I'm down for common sense shit. Like maybe people under 21 shouldn't be able to buy guns. Like mm. I'm fine with that. But um, whenever people say, you know, we got to disarm mentally ill people, like that—that that is a personal. That's an attack on someone like me. And that's people with mental illness are more likely to be killed by the police than uh people without so you know that i, I are, look i agree with but you. i think but most guns are people using them on themselves that's how people die from guns yeah most people kill themselves but you know what if if that's if that's the way it shakes out um i don't i don't want to get on here and say that uh People, you know, I, I'm very pro death rights. Uh, if you want to kill yourself, I would suggest not to, but I don't think the government should get in your way. So, <laughs> guy, you are getting yourself in trouble tonight. That's all I'm saying. But no, I'm right. kidding. I'm with you. Hey, look, I'm all about like the self-determination, whatever completes you as a person. Uh, please go for it. I do think that, like, <laughs> I guess, like, if if somebody, I don't, I don't know that your somebody's right to have a pistol supersedes people's right to live without getting shot with a pistol. You know what I mean? And, like, yes. And and, 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 and but I but I've known, pe- but 
what I'm trying to say, and this is not an attack on you. I'm sure you're great, but I have met people and I have been friends with people who I, I fucking don't think they should have guns. You know what I mean? And, like, and that's fair. That's, maybe that's, that's totally fair. Maybe that's ableist, I guess, you know, but like we need to be able to talk about like maybe maybe we do need to prevent these things from getting in hands of people who might shoot us. Well, you yeah, know especially what I mean? people that are like spewing white supremacist memes and on forums and stuff talking about go. killing people. Okay. Right. And I'm not saying so, that I'm exactly. not saying that racism As, is a mental illness. That That's not what I'm getting at. But like there are exactly racists that are mentally, mentally ill. I, I am mentally ill and I have never shot anybody in my life. I have never uh, committed an act of violence with a gun. But there are people with dangerous political views that do not need guns. And that's not ableist at all. That is just, you know, that's truly, that is truly revolutionary to say that some people do not need to be armed because they have bad ideas. Because guess who doesn't need to be armed the most? It's the cops. Yeah, the cops. <laughs> I agree they, with that though. Like, but but they you know have what? The worst ideas. But but you know what? When we say <laughs> when we say that the cops don't need to be armed, we're talking about the guys that are like, shit. Yes. I, this person's gonna shoot. This person's gonna kill me. I have to shoot them before they kill me. You know what I mean? The guys that are immediately shooting people. And I feel like there's a lot of those people running around out there that want to have guns. And that, like, yes. they're gonna, they are a danger to us. You know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what you do. Like, I, that's the shittiest thing about this show. I think is that like I can't provide a solution, but I do feel like there is a sort of nuance in saying, look, I, I don't think racism is a mental illness, but I think there are probably a lot of mentally ill racists. Do you understand what I'm saying? And- and and I will I will uh, end my rant on gun control on the famous quote by Vince Staples: uh, "Stay strapped up long as the chief of police armed." So as long as we got cops out there with guns, we need people out there with guns. I agree with that. Uh, the black the Black Panthers were good folks. Um. But uh, let's talk about some more personal stuff. You know, we, we talked about business. We can talk about some fun stuff now. I uh, I haven't called in in a long time. I want to talk about this. What's going on? I got, I got a new job. I quit my old job. I got a new job. What's this one? Is this a good one? Is this janitor? You janitoring? Uh, they didn't have the janitor position open, so they gave me a job in the warehouse. That's so I'm bad. making boxes now. Making boxes? It's good. It, it, uh, yeah, I tape boxes up. I did that. It's a good job. I did that for a whole I, uh, Christmas year. You allowed to have headphones? Mm, I'm not allowed to have headphones, but I put that beanie on, and I got those AirPods, and I just... I listen <laughs> to Street Fight on the job site, my friends. I listen to Street Fight on the job site. It's good. No, yeah. Matt. Uh, so you are you you're loading them into a machine, or you said you tape them together? You just build them. I I just 
I tape them together, I put them on a pallet, and uh, other people take them and put shit in them. And you just, uh, that's the only, that's your only duty all day from start to finish. Duty. Can I tell you something, big guy? That means you're not a great yeah. worker, and I'm going to tell you why. That was my job. Like, that was the job they gave me when I got in a warehouse. They're like, look, you, you're not going to fuck up making boxes. So. <laughs> yeah, box exactly. <laughs> no, 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 believe me. Believe me, I know. It's, it's, it's easy work, and uh, it's because I'm just now starting out. They're trying to train me to do other stuff, uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not shining to it that well. <laughs> Because I like making boxes. I did too. I'm going to be honest with you. I love the hell out of a repetitive job. I don't know who these people are that are like, oh, this job is so repetitive. I'm like, well, at least I know what I got to do. If I can wear headphones and I know what I got to do. I knew this guy one time. Yeah. I knew this guy one time got I a job. I throw on the Chapo Trap House and I just sit there and just zit, 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 and I make a box and I throw it on a pallet and I just do that eight hours a day. I, I knew this guy that got a job shredding paper, right? He's uh, working oh, at a hospital. Yeah. Whole damn job was just shred. He just stuck. He sat in a room. It wasn't like he had to go collect the paper or anything. Big pile of paper. No, they shred bring the, the paper, paper to you. Yeah. He hated yeah. it. He's like, yeah. I can't do this. And he was making like $12 I'm, an hour. And we're talking when we're 17 years old, right? right. And it's like. I know, I know that guy. I know that guy. We have a guy who goes around. And picks up the paper shredding bit. I work for uh, a medical company, a pharmaceutical company. So we have a lot of paper to shred. I know a guy, his whole job, ooh, we make them drugs. No, they're just for eyeballs. So it's not like you can trip on them or nothing. They're like saline solutions and bullshit. But, um, I mean, I, I can't, I guess I can't say who it is, but it's the biggest it's the biggest uh, eyeball medical company in Vizine. the country. It's Visine. That's who it is. Brad, no. It's Visine. The famous clear no, eyes. No, you're wrong. The famous Visine oh, oh. or Keep clear guessing. eyes. I used to use clear eyes, but it burns more than Visine. Back when I was trying clear to hide is, that I was clear high. Eyes, we make clear eyes. We make clear eyes. I... Uh, well, it's, it's uh, I'll be swimming in that shit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, strapping up boxes—that's my shit. Am I? Am I your last caller, or you guys got somebody else? We have one more to take after you, so we got it. We got to get it done. We're dying here. We're we're kind of uh, our batteries are running low. Yeah, we're way over the mark. Okay, okay. Let me be quick. Let me be real quick. But uh, the last time I called in, uh, I, I, I don't mean to uh, call anybody out, but the show did get canceled um, for whatever reason. What do you mean uh, get canceled? It show, didn't get posted or may not have. I'm not really posted. sure. What happened? I don't know what happened with it, but who knows? It's I spaced the whole show? You either spaced the whole somebody, show, but now it's old. So, But you, you tell them what the problem is, though. Okay, okay, so somebody called somebody who claims to be gay. Somebody called the person get, uh, straight. How dare you? And I just want to talk about, I just want to talk about uh, gay erasure and how uh, don't tell people what their identity is. If 
somebody claims to be part of an identity, let them have that identity because identity is for someone to choose for themselves. And uh, if you go out and tell someone that their identity is wrong, you are trying to erase them from the discourse and you are actively silencing uh, minority voices. Right. I guess we so, should explain. I guess we should explain. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking if you want about. To, yeah, go ahead. I guess a couple weeks ago, we were talking about street bike. People were calling in. This is not something that we came up with and saying they were Street Fight's biggest gay fan. And you said you were. And then somebody said, I'm not going to let this straight dude take over my role as Street Fight. I think he was joking around, but I understand what you're saying. You know, I wouldn't want to be erased. I mean, yeah, I've got a girlfriend. I I mean, I'm going to. Me too, buddy. I got a wife. I've got a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend. But I'm gay. I'm gay as hell. And uh, that's up to me. And if anybody says that's not up to me, uh, I got uh, I got a suggestion. They can write down their complaint, put it on a piece of paper, roll it up, and shove it up their ass. Because uh, identity is not for you to decide. So well, and you carry a gun. I, I'm not mad so. at y'all. I wasn't mad at y'all. I wasn't mad at y'all. I was mad at this guy. For calling me straight. Sure, I think he was. I think he was playing around with you, but I can understand. I can understand where you're coming from. I'm not standing up for he anybody. Did. I don't even remember who it was, but I think that they were they were probably playing around a little bit and and trying to have fun yeah. with you. But I get it. I understand. This show sometimes invites some goofing off, and maybe it goes too far sometimes. That's kind of what we're known for, <laughs> at least. I, and I'm not trying to call him out. If he was just goofing off. You know, that's fine, you know. And uh, he, he also called me a heroin advocate. And oh, come I can't on. object to that. Come I on. The big guy loves that. heroin, but he's not an advocate for it. I love heroin, but I'm not an advocate. <laughs> How dare you? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding with you. We love you, big guy. <laughs> We're not, there's nothing. Um, there's no heat or anything. We love you, man. Um, but this belt, this biggest gay fan, isn't like a thing. Like we don't have a belt for you or anything. The only championship belts that are coming out are for Brett and I, and that's just because we're the greatest and we're going to get championship belts someday. We've already decided it. Oh great! But, oh great! You guys are like, you guys are like the bosses now. You get mm-hmm. to choose who gets belts and who doesn't. Yeah, us. That's fine. Somebody do a better two-person podcast, and maybe we'll toss them a belt. You know, maybe, maybe when we go out, maybe when we go out to New York, Rachel and Kath will take our, our belts from us. You never know. You know, the WrestleSpania crew could get it. You know, we might put our belts on the line there. They're good girls. I love them. They're good. Do more shows with them. I know. I got to get Kath back on. I'm going to make sure I get Kath back on soon, but thanks for calling big guy. We're going to, we're going to clock out. We're going to slide down the dinosaurs back and, and clock out. All right. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, do that fucking yabba dabba do shit. That's what we're doing. Thanks for calling, man. All right. We're going to do this last call because we're going to do three and a half hours of radio. 
We're sweet, man. Come on. Oh, I wanted to go to bed before three. Hello. You will. <laughs> Who are we talking to? Hi, this is uh, Siobhan from Vancouver. Hey, Siobhan. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm sorry it's so late. I, I'll make it quick. It's no problem. Please we don't worry the about show it. On late. We're not. We're just. We always are like, by the end of the show, we're getting a little tired because you're always like, this job is the easiest job in the world. And then you talk for three and a half hours and you're like, well, maybe it's not the easiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> the easiest thing yeah. is the hour shows. <laughs> so, also, another thing, how did you call in from Canada? People, how did you call in from Canada? I just called in. I was actually, I called earlier, but then it wasn't really working. And so I, I called in later again because I didn't want to be on the line for too long. I, I'm not really sure. I might have some some views. I don't really know. But I just called on my regular phone. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Rob's in yeah. Canada, too. Oh, yeah. Somebody said how to, I don't know. Somebody sent me a message and asked how to call from Canada. Remember that sweet boy that called from Canada with I that do. nice voice that we all love that he never called again? He sounded like Kevin Steen a little bit. <laughs> he did. He sounded like Kevin Steen. We loved him. So what's going on tonight? We, we, we're going to, we're going to give you the full service treatment here. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. So, well, I was actually, I was listening to some of your older episodes, um, Uh-oh. this past week and I. Yeah, and there was not not that old, like a couple of months ago. And you're talking about lawns and uh, and landscapers and how they're the the real uh, small business tyrants, I guess. And uh, and there was actually this story in Toronto recently of, of this uh, of this guy who's a landscaper, and he was actually or he's being tried as a serial killer. And what he did was he uh, he buried. He buried his victims in his landscaping clients' yards, I believe. Um, what? Yeah, and it's quite a sad story, but yeah, I just thought that really does confirm your, your theory. Yeah, that's why <laughs> we suppose. need to get rid of yards and lawns is because yeah, people yeah. will hide bodies in them. So thank you for yeah, exactly. girding well, yeah, his he argument. Yeah, exactly. literally hit them in the planters of uh, people's, people's uh, in their yards and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's mostly it. <laughs> that is crazy, though. I, I've never. Yeah. I mean, I guess like what? It, uh, I don't want to get into the mechanics of what could have happened. Now I'm so weird. I used to hate hearing about serial killers, and like I would just cover my ears as soon as somebody talked about it. Then I went to stupid college, and I took a class, and it was like mostly about serial killers. And now I'm like, so what were the mechanics of uh? What did he chop them up and then bury them? Like, how did he, did he have sex with them? Like, <laughs> now I'm a weirdo. Because yeah. I used to say that about people in college, right? I used to be like, I want to study regular crime, like robbery, small-time burglary, theft, and stuff like that. Because I think people that study serial killers are weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing about the story, too, was that, um, well, the reason that I found out about it was I saw this other story about this researcher who actually had, like, predicted that this specific man or a man, like, of his, like, of his, like, age group and, I don't know, his demographics had been targeting certain people in this gay community in Toronto. So she, and she had told the police about it, but they, like, ignored her tip or something, and so... There was more victims, but there was kind of like a scandal around it because oh. of that. But I just thought, I, I can't imagine that being your job, specifically. Like, she, 
somehow in her research she could tell like who was the most likely to be a serial killer or something based on like all these crime statistics. Yeah, I just thought that was very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild to break that all down. Yeah, and this is how it normally goes. It seems there's a, there's a lot of eggheads that can crack those codes, and then they try to tell the authorities, yeah. and it's like, uh, we can't do nothing about it, really. You know, it's like, interesting theory. we got to wait until they do something. Yeah. Are it's you, like, yeah. this guy's burying people in people's yards. Like, maybe we don't need to... That That's where law... Like, I love the laws... Or what? No, I don't. That was the biggest lie I've ever told on this show. But you know what I mean? Where I'm like, I like that we're protected, but sometimes if somebody's chopping people up and burying them in people's yards, it'd be nice to maybe go after them a little more. Go after them a little harder than just like a guy that like robs a store or something. Yeah. Are, are yeah, you totally. like a? Are you a serial killer junkie or something? No, not at all. I mean, I guess I used to listen to like I used to watch like Law and Order and like. I so I I guess I've I I was into it, but I've kind of I've kind of fallen away from that. Okay. But I did listen to some of those podcasts, like the True Crime podcast. I was just trying. Dude, that's all my wife listens to is serial killers. Oh yeah. This it's like oh I listen to she's like I listen to this show about this guy that killed forty seven people, and I'm like. You won't even fucking watch a horror movie with me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we can't even watch a horror that. movie because they're too scary. <laughs> and then you sit there. I hear it all the time. She's working at her table. And he's like, and then he, he chopped her up and had sex with her head. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Nine hours of that. Some nine yeah. hour audio book. <laughs> well, hey. Yeah, I'm... I'm- yeah, I'm exactly the same way. It's too scary for me, but somehow it's very addictive. I think. It is. It really is. Like, as soon as I started learning about it, I got interested in it immediately. I can see where people get yeah. interested in it. But it's one of those things where, like, when criminologists study it, I kind of look at it like, what are you really doing in a way? Does that, you know what? Because it's like a point yeah. of a percent of the population. So when you study this, there's not very many subjects. Right. There's not very many people that are doing it. There are commonalities, mostly white, straight men, probably usually landscape business owner types. I mean, for real, like I know that sounds crazy, but it is usually like a white straight man that's like got his seems like he's got his shit together. Yeah. And like uh, and like those are the things that we know. But, like, studying it constantly starts to come off as, like, really macabre because you're like, I mean, you're not going to really prevent it. You know what I mean? It's not something. Yeah. Well, that lady tried to in this That's case. True. Well, I yeah. mean, she had identified the guy and was like, that guy. Damn, I can't believe she found the guy, man. I mean, she. I don't think she found the exact guy. Uh-oh. I think she found, she found, a, she, she zeroed on his, in on his demographic and he was already a suspect in a different a murder connected to the thing. I'm not. I'm not totally sure the the entire thing. I couldn't find the story again that I that I had read. But um, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll send it to you just if the, I do find it. The small business owner thing. I mean, really lends itself. <laughs> like, no, I mean, really yeah. lends itself to that sort of stuff. They get white people get too bored with all that money, and yeah. it messes them up. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah they, totally. And that, and I mean, just like that's the type of, yeah, just they're sharks. Small business tyrants are sharks. 
So thank you for warning. <laughs> they're nature's pre- they're the there are predators now. Yeah. They're they're breaking us down. They're <laughs> barely paying us. They're killing us. They're working us eighty hours a week, and now they're burying us in people's yards. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night, you guys. You too. Uh, t- two other people came in, but we are shutting it down. Sorry. Uh, down, Charlie Brown. Yeah, Street Fight is done tonight. We've done three and a half hours of call-ins. It's absurd. You are so bad at that. Uh, you should go to school. You should have went to school for broadcasting so that you would respect the cables more. Uh, Street Fight Radio comes to you every single week, two times a week. Uh, I don't cancel any shows. I might have just forgot that that one. I t- swear I posted that show, uh, but apparently I didn't. So you might have some uh, a glut of shows coming up. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. We're there. Just search for us. If you want more shows, we have our bonus content over on Patreon. It's a way that you can support us for what we do. And you don't even have to get the content if you just like what we're doing here and what we're trying to accomplish, which is smashing um, all of the uh, hierarchies until the point where the workers control everything and get to party together. Uh, Consider going over to Patreon.com, paying just $1 a month. You get four extra street fights a month. And then for $3 a month, we have a digital zine with exclusive, exclusive writing and art from Brian and I and Street Fight listeners. So... Please consider throwing in a couple bucks our way. Uh, We are Street Fight Radio. You can find us on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Street Fight WCRS. Oh, yeah, we also have CBD. Uh, We have a good hookup on medical CBD. It's from Detroit, the medical state. Uh, Cosmic Gardens provides all of our stuff. Um, They make amazing CBD. It's really good if you pair it with weed. It's really good for anxiety and a lot of other things. If you're interested and you don't have a place to find some, uh, we have it in our store, store store.streetfightradio.com. You can pick up some CBD. We got vape juice and body butter there. Uh, We will see you later this week. Peace.